Hi, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise. And this is my second time on the Skeleton Crew. So I'm going to uh, be firing my agents right after this. All right, uh, well, we're going to start the Hatchet 3 review. Um, well, well, we got a caller. Dan, do you want to have somebody call in while we're doing this and join us for this? Because I don't, what the hell does this guy know about Hatchet 3? Yeah, I know, right? We've been going toe-to-toe with Hatchet fans all week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's uh, let's see what he's got. Well, I think we're the only ones who saw this one, so. Uh, okay, uh, Adam from Holliston, you're on the Skeleton Crew? Uh, yeah, um, what's going on, guys? Hey, buddy, what's up, man? Um, big fan of your show, me and the other guy who listens. Um, I, I think it's it's fantastic. Um, I just wanted to know, like, why is Hatchet, like, such a ripoff of Friday the 13th? Dude. I don't know. That's what we've been saying, man. I don't know, man. I think the director's, something's wrong with this guy, man. I mean, I would love to talk to this asshole and see what's really going on here. I mean, because I've I've never I've never seen a Friday the Thirteenth movie, but I know like Hatchet. There's like a, a killer in it, so it's it's a rip off of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, I think you know I, I can't believe he wasn't wearing a hockey mask. That's the only thing that was different about the movies, in my opinion. Oh, um, like like Freddy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's not too many killers without masks on. That was that was the only good thing about uh, Victor Crowley. If he asked me, I don't know. I just probably couldn't afford a mask. <laughs> All right, look, we're just goofing around. Obviously, uh, this is not a caller. You can hear that Adam Green himself is in the dungeon with the crew. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. And this is a really big night for the crew. We just got off the phone. We have an interview coming up in a few shows. Uh, probably the next show, and uh, Dan, tell him, and it's weird, because this kind of ties in with a commentary you did, so it all sort of, so weird how it all goes together. Dan, tell this dude who we just had on the show. Dude, fucking Ted White, dude. You, oh, you are, really? Oh, awesome. Dude. Yeah, this is like the, the best back-to-back interview we've ever had in our <laughs> life, dude. <laughs> um, you were our first interview, and dude, I, we were so bad then. Obviously, we still are. But uh, that was that was what like over a year ago now, and uh, yeah, yeah, man, I was really excited to uh, to interview again. So yeah, like we said, thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, let's get into some uh, Holliston and some Hatchet Three shit. You know, really quick though, it's funny the the you know the further along my career goes, there's a lot of times where the the publicist in charge will be like, yeah, but you're not going to do that one. You're only going to do like the Entertainment Weekly one or this, and like I'm always like, no, let me let me do those ones, please. Because a lot of times, like, those are the best questions and, like, the actual fans. Like, the mainstream press, it's it's great because, you know, more people see it, obviously. But still, it's like, they're like, so what is it about horror that you like? <laughs> yeah, right. How come I supposed to answer that? Like, yeah. My favorite movie is The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite line from fucking Holliston season one, man. That was great. <laughs> and, and getting into that real quick, I wanted to touch on that before we get to, um... To hatch it or whatever. So season two just started, right? Yeah. Um, just started the other day. I love the first episode, by the way. And I was gonna ask you, okay? So, dude, I'm from I'm from the Cape, from Cape Cod. I'm from Falmouth. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, man. Don't, do, yeah, don't you live in? Don't you have a house or a family around? Yeah, here? Uh, in uh, on Craigville Beach. 
Oh, th- there you go. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes away. Cool, man. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> this is kind of a, I don't know if you've ever gotten this question, but dude, this is like the number one burning question that I want to ask you, uh, you know, in regards to season one. And actually going back all the way to the Jack Chop, dude. Now, <laughs> all the Oxycontin references on Holliston when you're, <laughs> when you're dipping into the Blu-ray fund and then, you know, with the Jack Chop. <laughs> Is that, is that a commentary on Massachusetts in general and its horrible problem? <laughs> you know, it's it's really not. Um, oh? It's it's that, you know, Paul Solit, who is Nicolo from Jack Chop, who Nico. plays Nicolo on Holliston this season, <laughs> yeah. same yeah. character. He's yep. in three episodes this season. Um, nice. uh, just talking about Boston <laughs> when we were making Grace together and like the fact yep. that people use the word fucking as punctuation. You know, so be like, I just went to the store. Backing. Backing. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, and everybody drinks strawberry quick. I'm like, I know. What is that? Like strawberry quick. And he's like, yeah, I mean, these guys I used to hang out with used to shoot OCs. And I, I didn't know what that was. I am so dumb when it comes to drugs. Like, I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, what, what's OCs? And he had to explain it to me. And I, for whatever reason, I thought it was hilarious. I'm sure it's, you know, right now there's somebody trying to kick that shit who thinks it's not funny at all. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty funny, and so it's fucking hilarious. Um, and that's all like really the drug experience I've ever had. It's like you know you go to the dentist and you get a root right. canal and they give you right. pills or whatever. <laughs> which yeah. uh, next week's episode with Daniel Harris, yeah. uh, those pills come come in uh, in a big way, and oh, you'll, really? you'll, never look at, you'll never look at Danielle the same way again. That's oh, for sure. oh no, that might be my favorite episode. That's what you were talking about on your podcast, dude, about uh, about that upcoming episode with her. And dude, that leads me to my next question. Fucking smooth transition, huh? Um, now, with everybody that you've had on, like, you know, Mosley and, uh, you know, God, Tony Todd, and, and then I knew Danielle Harris, is there anybody that you you've tried to get that you that that hasn't necessarily worked out, or is there anybody maybe coming up that that you can fucking let us know? Fucking, fucking. Um, well, uh, no, there's never been anybody that we've asked who said no. In fact, um, with the first season, we really kept it quiet when we were in production because we just didn't really want anybody to know what we were up to, and it was weird, you know, calling Tony Todd and explaining. That it's a sitcom, but it's it's really a sitcom, like, and he's just like thinking there's a catch somewhere, like so it's so so what is it? I'm like it's a it's a sitcom. And he's like like a sitcom. I'm like like a sitcom, and and I want you to come on and play a horrible version of yourself. Um, and thankfully, like by now he trusts me enough to to think what I'm going to do is funny, and he did it. Um, but now with season two, right. we were like having to turn people away because now everybody really? wants in on it. Wow. Like, you know, how do I get in on this thing? Like, I want to do it. Because you got to right. remember, like, when you're, wh- whoever you are, whether it's Tony Todd, Kane Hodder, Robert England, and you get bit by the acting bug, uh-huh. nobody is thinking, you know what I want to do is play a killer in one movie, and then that's it. And <laughs> for the rest of my life, just be known as that. Like, they want to <laughs> act. They want to do lots of stuff. And so... I've been trying, whether it's through the Hatchet movies or through Holliston, to give these people a chance to show what they can really do and, and be funny and actually play good characters. So, um, yeah, there's nobody that we've turned away yet. I mean, this season we've got great guest stars, though. Um, James Gunn plays oh. our, our old high school bully that we have to try uh. to reconcile with, which is really funny. <laughs> Sid Haig is on the show. Oh, Seth Green is back. Um, but my favorite guest star is Bailey Madison, who people would know as the little girl in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And she's like young Snow White on uh, Once Upon a Time. She is absolutely phenomenal. And it is the most messed up episode that we possibly have ever done because she plays my love interest. So (laughs) um, 
I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, I date an 11 year old this season. So <laughs> what, dude? <laughs> what the fuck? You know what you should do? You want to cast a bully in high school? You should cast William Zapka, dude. That would be perfect for your whole 80s thing. Unfortunately, he wasn't available. Oh, no, who am I kidding? Uh, it's, no, we, uh, we did actually think about him, though, because he's, he's an awesome dude, and Joe's yeah. actually buddies with him. And, and we did think about that at one point. But because James Gunn is not any bigger than us, I mean, he's a very sort of scrawny, like, weird-looking dude. It was just funny that he's who we are that he's who we're afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and plus, I mean, he's such a fucking funny dude, and he really, really had a good time being an asshole to Joe and I. Wow, dude. Yeah, man, and Holliston's such a fucking funny show, man. I know it's definitely not everybody's uh, cup of tea, but, dude, when I saw that shit, and I know a lot of people, they just totally fucking click with it, dude. I mean, to me, it's fucking hilarious. And the laugh track, I know some people are for and against it, dude. I'm totally for it. Yes. You can't do a sitcom without right. the audience there, first of all. Like, we do have an audience there that's laughing because how else can you pause and know, like, the timing of the jokes? Yeah. We have a small audience, and then we, we fill it in. But, like, shows like How I Met Your Mother, they don't have any audience at all. They just use a canned laugh track. But you, it wouldn't be a sitcom unless you had the laugh track. And so it's, you know, for the few people that said that, like, normally – any type of criticism will consider it, but that's just like, that's like saying like, why do there have to be fucking, you know, killings and gore in a hatchet movie? Like, it's a <laughs> right. slasher movie. So, um, but yeah, Halston has quickly become, I think the most popular thing I've ever done. Cause it's yep. now it's reached way into the mainstream. And even at horror conventions, we have people coming who come up to us and they're like, you know, I don't even like horror movies. I didn't even know these conventions existed. I just knew you guys were appearing here. And it's like becoming a gateway drug for them into horror. Because you don't need to be a horror fan to like it. No. But if you are a horror fan, you really get it. So um, yeah. it's I'm, – I'm, I'm, uh, I hate to use the word like shocked that it worked because, I mean, obviously I believed in it because I did it. But uh, I didn't think it was going to work as fast as it did. I thought that it would have been a little too weird for some people. But most horror fans – we're really excited that finally there was a sitcom that was funny for them and that they right. could relate to and that there were characters that were portraying horror fans as real people. They liked yeah. the sentimental stuff. They liked the sweet moments, the tear jerking right. stuff and the Christmas specials. So it's um, it's really just it's been awesome. Yeah. And Adam, how many people come up to you and say, man, you are me, but you're living the dream I always wanted? Because me and Dan, we're really big horror fans, just like you. We grew up with the stuff. But at the same time, I think for you, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's more rewarding for you that that Holliston is successful and accepted because I believe that horror is a part of our lives and it's a big part, but at the same time, we have a lot of other interests and humor is a big part of our lives and interests and stuff like that. We like pussy. Yeah, we like pussy too. And, um, so the thing is to, to incorporate yourself and your own sense of humor and have people embrace that and accept it while incorporating things you love like horror, that must be like the ultimate high for yeah. you as opposed to just going straight to horror. Is am I right or off yeah no you're totally right it's um it's it's uh it's surreal and I mean this was the thing that I came here to do like mm. you can't really admit that usually because like when I was doing right. press for like hatchet one and people were like well what's your dream project you can't say well someday <laughs> I want to do a sitcom and I want to write every episode I want to direct them I'm going to star in it I'm going to be the showrunner. I'm only going to cast my friends. It's going to be all about my life. It's like everyone would be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> right. um, 
but it, it happened. I mean, it took 13 years and there were so many times this show was set up at any, everything from like the major networks to other cable networks. And they would always start changing it instantly where they're like, well, they shouldn't really be into horror because that's too weird. And I'd be like, why? Now look at Big Bang Theory. Like you don't have to know what they're talking about to still enjoy the characters. Right. And uh, and then like, you know, the imaginary alien in the closet, they're like, that's too weird. People won't understand it. Like they just and how much we break the fourth wall and make fun of the fact that we're on a sitcom. It's a very self-deprecating show. But the fact that it's working is is huge. And I, I hope we get to do it forever. And that it I just, you know, we have at least six six more seasons that are already all planned out in terms what? of what's Whoa, happened. Really? So it, but that's the scary thing about TV. Like with a movie, once you're making it, for the most part, you know that you're making it. Um, with TV, it could stop at any time. Like the execs could change. The network could change. The network could drop you. Um, nice. They could run out of money. Like there's all kinds of stuff that could happen. So right. it's um, it's always really sad when we wrap and everybody's, you know, kind of, always waiting on eggshells to hear if we're going to have another season. So um, I, I don't, it, it's weird. It's like, obviously it's really Fearnet's only show. They have other stuff that they program, right, but it's right, not right. theirs. So yeah, um, right. I know that they have every interest in the world in keeping this thing going and it's been a, a big hit for them. So yeah. I would imagine there's going to be uh, another season. So, uh, but you know, you never know. Dude, can can I make make a fan suggestion for the next season? <laughs> can I be can I be that guy for a second? No, you can't. You <laughs> oh can't. boy. Oh fuck. Right, fine, go well, ahead, go ahead. Sp- speaking of, <laughs> but re- real quick, Adam, before you hear this, Dan yeah. is is an Adam Green fanboy, and if you were Eminem, he'd be Stan. <laughs> <laughs> so so just just know this before we get in. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> You're the guy. I have a few stands now, and it's really fucking <laughs> creepy, I'll tell you. <laughs> By the way, I like that shirt you're wearing right now, Adam. It's nice. Thank you. Yeah, watching you. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to the question. So, I'm from Cape Cod, dude. Are we ever going to see a Cape Cod episode of Holliston? Like, when they, like, like Saved by the Bell did, where they take away the laugh track? Like, you remember they did that when they went yeah. to... Like, yeah, when they went to uh, <laughs> fucking Maui or whatever, or the, the Malibu Sands. Yeah, yeah. Is, are we ever going to see, maybe, possibly, Cape Cod? Um, it probably not. I mean, we do do a found footage episode this season. It's episode three where we try to make a found footage movie. So we actually shot the whole thing in the town of Holliston in the woods. Like the, right. the four of us actually went camping for three days and shot everything. And it's, uh, for a lot of people so far that have seen the whole season, that and episode nine seems to be tied for favorite of the season. Mm-hmm. But we do still have the laugh track because it's like, we tried it without it, but it didn't feel like the show anymore. And then- right. At the end, it's revealed that Lance Rocket's been watching the whole thing, so it it, it, it makes sense. But right. um, it's uh, yeah, it, it was really fun to do that. Maybe we'll do something like that again. Um, I would obviously love to shoot at the Cape um, Killer Pizza. That project they have coming up is set on Cape nice. Cod. Like I, I love I love the Cape, but okay. I'm actually uh, well, actually, I probably shouldn't say this since you're like Stan, but. Um, <laughs> when- <laughs> When, when when Hatchet 3 comes out, because I've been going straight for like two years and it's like my doctor's very concerned that I'm going to drop dead any minute now. So um, <laughs> right when Hatchet 3 comes out, I'm actually going there for like 10 days to just sit in the yard and stare at a tree and let my mother like baby me and make me chicken soup and get me back on my feet because I'm seriously about to fucking die. So uh, wait, oh. uh, Dan, you have no vacation time at work, right? Uh, I can make time. Oh, boy. I got time. You know? It is always funny, though, if I do uh, – what I learned from from Seth Green, he taught me this, is always tweet about where you're at 
after yeah. you've been there. Don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, where it bit me in the ass was I was I was stranded in an airport for three days. This was right when we wrapped Hatchet 2. I was supposed to go to Scotland for the premiere of Frozen, and I got trapped in fucking Newark for three oh. days in a blizzard. <laughs> and so I'm tweeting about it, and then sure enough, like after a few hours, this guy comes up to me. He's like, you, I've been following you on Twitter. You're here too? Let's hang out. And there's nowhere, there's nowhere to get away. Like there's nowhere right. to go. And it's like, who would win in a fight? You know, Victor Crowley. And it's like, <laughs> I totally appreciate it. And that's awesome that you're a fan. And I love it. But it's like, you know, that's after a while, so the people forget that you're a person. They, right. And it's right. like, you owe them your life at that right. point. Right. So that was Dan's next question. Just scratch that, bro. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. 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 Sorry, Adam. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is, it is weird. I probably, maybe I'm not supposed to say that, but sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I'm here or whatever. And then people will be like, oh man, let's go hang out. Like, do you want to come to my house? And sometimes <laughs> it's like, I want to do it just, just to be like, just to see be like holy shit, he actually came over. Like, just show up and be like, yeah, what's up, dude? Let's hang out. But like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm with you, man. If I was famous, I would kind of want to make that dream come true. But it's never – it wouldn't work out like we think, would it? No, but it's also weird when you're when – you're, okay, there's Brad Pitt famous and then there's Adam Green famous. Like, <laughs> I'm famous with like – with weirdos and stuff like I'm famous with like a small cult group of people like I mean now with this show it's a little bit different like where if I'm just trying to have dinner with my wife like I'll be recognized and somebody comes over to the table or whatever and it's and it's in 99% of the time people are so nice and they're they they're not invasive at all and it's it's awesome it's great they they do feel like inviting like I'm inviting enough for them to come over and talk and and take a picture or whatever I love it but um it is it's definitely getting a little bit weirder when <laughs> you can tell that somebody is watching you because they know who you are and they're taking pictures from 10 right. feet away. So, it's like, just come over and ask and we'll take yeah. a picture and get it over with. But like, I'm eating and you're taking pictures of me from like, <laughs> and it's just, it's so uncomfortable. Exactly, man. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it when you're eating. I'd, I'd, I'd wait till after. Yeah. I'm, I was going to say, you do realize he's just giving you a guide of what not to do in those 10 days, Dan. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But dude, you, you're right though, bro. Like, it's so weird. Like, it must be so strange. Like, they know something about you. Well, everything about you and you know nothing of them. So right off the bat, it's fucking, it's strange. Just, you know. But wait, but that's, see, you're touching on a very important thing is that's where it gets weird. Like right. if, they, if people just treat you like a normal person, that's fine that they know you from something, right. but like right. strike up a conversation about whatever. It's so much better for everybody. But when it's <laughs> the, the fandom thing, it's, I mean, try, just try doing it to one of your friends sometime and see how uncomfortable it is. If someone's like, I right. fucking love you, this and that, like you don't know yeah. what to say and you get so uncomfortable. Like I get so embarrassed. I'm, oh, I don't know okay. what to say. I'm like. Uh, I'm, I get all, I turn red. I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so, but if people are just normal, it's just, it, it's so much easier. <laughs> you know what I, that's so weird that you said that. Cause I, I do that sometimes. Um, you know, I email people and your, uh, your co-star there, Laura Ortiz, dude, she's so fucking cool, man. She just hit me back and we just started chatting, dude. I was like, wow. I was like, this chick's awesome. And that's the approach I think you got to take. Like you just said, man, just kind of, you know, hopefully, you know, the, the, the fans are, are cool too, but you just have a normal conversation and, uh, everything will be all right. You know, and most of them. Most of the fans are. Most of them are so cool and so down to earth, and they do treat you like you're on the same level. And that that's what makes conventions fun. That's what makes right. appearances fun. Um, and like you know, my whole cast. I mean, we're all very very accessible on Facebook, on Twitter. We write back to everybody, um, and it's because we genuinely fucking appreciate it. It's like there's really there's no other reason. It's like if somebody's gonna take the time to watch the show and then write us a letter or or tweet us or whatever to say so, like we really really appreciate that. 
Yeah, man. Obviously, you'll be on any, any show, so. <laughs> <laughs> you have so much going on right now. You have Holliston. You got Hatchet 3 coming out. It's like, you know, your career is in, in high gear, I, I, I assume, right? I mean, uh, I don't know everything about you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I thought it was in high gear a few years ago and then I couldn't take on anymore. And then somehow mm. I keep doing that. But now I'm actually <laughs> trying to like... Like, I, like, actually, no, no joke to get, like, personal. I actually, like, I started seeing a therapist this past year. And I always thought therapists were for douchebags and, and assholes. It's like, just fucking deal with it, dude, whatever it is. But um, my wife was just, like, urging me and urging me for years. She's like, you just need to talk to somebody and, like, figure out your life and, like, how to stop working. And she's like, because you're going to die. And then when my doctor, like, I went in for a physical and he was like, no joke. He's like, you're going to die before you're 45 if you don't stop. Like, you can't live like this. I mean, I work at least 22 hours a day. Wow. So I don't sleep what? ever. Um, sometimes this past year, I was doing 36-hour work days. I'd sleep for either 45 minutes or an hour and then do another 36 hours because Dude. there's just too much to do. And so yeah. it's, but it's hard to give it up and it's hard to prioritize and to know when, especially with fucking, you know, iPhones and stuff, you can right. always get your email. You can always see your Twitter. You can always like, so, um, I did go on a vacation, uh, for about 10 days. My wife and I went to this Island called, uh, Morea, which is off the coast of Bora Bora. And you'd like, they didn't get a cell phone signal. So like, there was no option. So I had like two days of literally detoxing, like <laughs> sweating. Like I can't check my email. I can't check my Twitter. I yeah. can't, what the fuck. And, um, but then once you let go of that, it's so freeing and right. just to have your own life again and actually notice what's going on around you at the time and who you're at. Like my, yeah. my wife complains about it all the time. She's like, you're never present. You're here and you're looking at me and I'm talking, but I know you're thinking about what you need to do later and what's going on. Like, and she's right. And so, Anyway, this I was at uh, Sean Ashmore's wedding, and um, the this guy who was sitting at our table noticed how my hands shake when I was trying to eat, and he's like, he thought I was on drugs, and my <laughs> wife was like, no, he hasn't, he's been awake for four days, and he was like, dude, you can't do that, and then he introduced himself, he's a therapist who works with um, athletes, actors, like just people who work in the entertainment business. And um, I, I, he just offered to talk to me and I was like, all right, fuck it, I have nothing to lose, I'll do it. And um, it was great because it's, it's hard to learn how to say no to people because um, you want to please everybody and any, anybody who asks for something, you want to say yes, you want to help them, you want to, and it's like at some point you got to draw the line and be like, I need, I need my own life too. So yeah. it, it has been hard and um, I am trying to slow down coming up and so maybe there won't be, um, you know, a season of a TV show and two movies that come out every year. <laughs> yeah, um, but what's, what's great, though, is sometimes on Twitter, people will be like, all right, so I know you're shooting Digging Up the Marrow. Chillerama came out last year. Hatchet 3 is coming out. You did two seasons of Holliston. Like, like what else? Right. And it's like, what, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Adam? What do you mean, what else? Come like, on, Adam. who the fuck else is doing that much? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, Adam, I'm going to assume that in the all hours of the night when everyone else is sleeping, you're writing, right? So Yeah, writing, editing. Or, or shooting. I mean, it depends where it is, but um, yeah, I don't. My typical workday starts around one a.m. Um, and wow. mainly because you can get so much done between one and one and like seven. Yeah, where the yep. phone starts ringing an email and um, like the typical day, especially in production on Holliston, like we would our call time would probably be like five thirty for like five thirty in the morning to get through makeup and everything. But I would usually get there at like two just so I could 
walk the set and sit there and plan the day and what are the shots and what needs to happen. And you just need that time. Um, but by the time you get home at the end of the night, it's 10 or 11, you showered and try to go to bed and you only have like an hour to sleep before you got to get up again. And I don't use an alarm clock or anything. Like I, if I could, I would sleep. I just can't. So I'm I'm working on that, but yeah, but I write a lot overnight. One of the what, most so memorable say- things, though, uh, was uh, the um, the Frozen behind the scenes, dude. Like, that shit was so funny when you were coming out of the fucking, what was it? Like, probably, what, after an hour of sleep? When you're yeah. yawning and you just look beat to shit, bro. You're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I think by the end, I had like 104 temperature. And Did you really? I, I also had an infected um, root canal because... <laughs> I had to get a root canal on my tooth and uh, it, it, it didn't heal right. And the dentist was like, you need to come in now. And I'm like, but I'm leaving to go shoot a movie. He's like, well, then when can you come in? I'm like, three months. And he's like, you won't, you won't last. I'm like, I can do it. And I, the pain was so bad. And, but I did it and I, I, and I sucked it up, but I made it through it. But um, yeah, it's, I think that was sort of like where, where things really started going off the rails because Frozen and Hatchet 2 happened at the same time. Yeah. And then Hatchet 2 bled into Chillerama in season one of Holliston. And then it's, it just all keeps overlapping. But it's, right. it's a great problem to have. Right. Um, I have so many friends that do this. And they, like, they'll, be, it'll, they'll go four or five years in between movies because mm-hmm. shit happens and it keeps pushing or something falls apart or whatever the reasons are. So I'm really fortunate to have all this work. Um, I just got to start, you know, managing it better. And it's, it's my fault. It's a... It's something I'm just I'm not good at yet. I gotta get better at it. Well, yeah, man. Well, Eli Roth was my favorite, but he hasn't done a movie in like seven years, so you win by yeah, default. He's doing one now, man. Green Inferno is gonna be awesome. They shot oh, it in the jungle. Yeah. My friend Magda was in that. Magda, who was in the season finale of Holliston last yep. season, um, she was Goblin, the goth chick. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, she's right. in it. I mean, the story she was telling me, and that like Eli was saying too. It's like I mean, that movie's gonna be awesome. Oh, I'm really, really dude. excited about that. Me too, man. Me too. Well, you know, everyone's excited for Hatchet 3, dude. Dan and I saw it. I'm Seven times. You, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, dude, Hatchet 3 is intensity in 10 cities, bro. That movie, I heard you say one time that before the Hatchet series is done, you, you think it's going to be up there with, with the top franchises of horror, right? Well, I never said that. I, <laughs> no, critics have been saying that since the first one. Um, I, I never said that. Just to be clear. <laughs> Eli got bit in the ass with that because uh, Quentin Tarantino said, this guy's the future of horror. And then everybody's oh, like, shit. oh, look at this guy claiming he's the future of horror. He didn't say it. Like somebody else said it. Yeah, um, right. So, yeah. No, I, it's, I mean, look, it, the difference between Hatchet and something like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street is like it's, a, it's an indie movie and it's not on 3,000 screens with 25 million in marketing and stuff. You know, it's, it's got a worldwide fan base and that's enormous, but it's, it's not this super high profile thing. And what's great about that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm dying, um, is that it's like we don't have to cater to anybody but the Hatchet fans. And Dark yeah. Sky, the distributor, is great about that where they let me make the movies that the Hatchet fans want. They never say, well, how do we reach a broader audience? Like maybe maybe scale back on how gory this is or maybe it shouldn't be so funny. Or may- like They're just like, look, this is working and people love it and just to do what you want to do and make them happy. And if you don't like Hatchet, that's fine. Just don't right. watch it. And I'm never right. going to understand that if someone's really? like, well, I hated the first two and the third one. Why did you watch the third right. one, you idiot? Like, exactly. don't watch it. Go watch something else. It's okay. Like, we don't care. <laughs> and, dude, can I say something, too? And I really struggle with this because I didn't want to offend you, dude. But, yo, 
fucking Hatchet 3 is the best one out of all of them. And that's not to put down the other ones, but dude, holy shit. And I got to ask you too, you don't have to answer this, but you alluded to it somewhat on your podcast. Now, you said that you were um, you were much more involved than initially anticipated uh, when you got going with this. So can you elaborate on that at all? Or Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's not a there's there's nothing really behind that. I mean, I, when I said I wasn't going to be in the director's chair, I promised everybody I was going to see this through. I was still going to be very much involved. And in a lot of ways, especially now having done television, it's like being the showrunner. It's like in TV, the showrunner is really the director. And so uh-huh. that's not to undermine BJ at all. It's just like, you know, I wrote it and the script is God in a movie. I mean, that everything that's said, everything that happens, even like the, the action sequences, like it's on the page. Right. So, and the thing that people need to remember is that BJ was part of this entire thing. Yeah. He shot one, he shot two. So this wasn't like some new person coming in who was going to like do their thing or whatever. Like he's already part of this. So uh, everything just clicked as business as usual. But I was on set for the whole thing. I was I, I was I cast like 90 percent of it because I wrote the parts for these specific people. I was in editing. I had final cut over the movie. So it's, mm. it's you know, it, it's still an Adam Green movie, whether or not my name's on it as director. And right. again, that's not to discredit BJ. He did an awesome job. And I think because this one was so, like, action heavy and yeah. as a camera operator, I think he brought so much to that. And I think that was super cool. Um, and then, you know, Will Barrett, the DP who shot all three of them, he just had more toys on this one. He had dollies, he had, um, you know, cranes, he had condors, he had like lighting wise, like we could really like do what we wanted to do. And the goal was always to make this one the spectacle one. Right. And so I think what I usually find is like whenever there's a new one, like everyone's like, that's the best one. And then after about a year, it starts <laughs> to like calm down a little bit and it starts to change. So there's stuff about this that that I love the best. There's stuff about the first one I love the best. Right, and right, um, right. For, for me, it's still the second one because the second one was like the Empire Strikes Back of the three. Okay. It was darker. It was like the, the flashback story of, of Crowley. Like that turned out exactly like I always would have hoped. The last 15 minutes of that movie, the last real are so fucking violent. The death scenes in it are so outrageous and over the top. And three, for all the awesome stuff in it, like, to me, it's more about, like, the quantity of deaths. Like, when you watch Hatchet 2 again and you see how extravagant each one is, in three, they come so fast. And that was on purpose. Like, you don't want to make the same movie twice. But the, the last 10 minutes of three, it just could not have been could not have turned out closer to what I always wanted it to turn out as. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was really emotional. Like, I mean, and it's weird because it's like you're, you write it, you're there, you're editing, you're all the whole thing. But when you see it with finished color and finished sound in a theater for the first time and really watch it, um, you know, the whole, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but the way that this story wraps up, it, I mean, mm. it, it, it really wraps up. Yeah. yeah. And, and dude, I, I think this is like Aliens 2 of the Hatchets. You know, like the action one. Yeah, and, I mean, that that was really the goal. Yeah. It was like the first one was like fun and setting the table. The second one was like getting a little bit more serious. And that was really Victor Crowley's movie. And then this one is really sort of in a weird way. I mean, it's it's Mary Beth's movie. And it's also like it, it's the Hatchet Universe's movie. It's like the entire story comes to a climax. So. Right. It's uh, it, they're they're all different, and it's and that's good. I think as much as they fit together as one movie, and if you, you know, having just seen in Boston, we we showed all three movies back to back, and 
if you did watch them all cut together, it is one big movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end. In act structure, it all it all makes sense and adds up. And so it's like the first is setting the table. The second is the big inciting event of like all this shit going wrong. And then in the third one, it's the, the, the rally for a, a solution to end this thing. So um, it, it really did work out well. And I think BJ did a great job. And it, it's, you know, all these things have been so super collaborative. Robert Pennegraft, who's done makeup effects on all three of them. Kane, uh, I mean, it's just the fact that we stuck together through all of this is I think why it's so solid because it wasn't just hand somebody else the property and see what they do with it. Um, We really cared about this. Yeah. You know, speaking of splicing together, man, uh, we watched all three for the retrospective and it's really uncanny how much Daniel Harris looks like the actress who played Mary Beth in part one. So when you watch them that way, that must be wild, though. Well, she you also, know? if you if you ever watch uh, two again, for the first ten minutes, she kind of does like a Tamara Feldman impression, oh, and really? then slowly uh, throughout the scene in the voodoo shop, she turns it into her own character, and that oh, was a smart. choice that we discussed. But it was yeah. to ease people into it. And now, originally, oh. it was down to Danielle and Tamara for that role, and the only reason I went with Tamara was because we already had all these horror icons in the movie, and it was becoming like a joke. So we went with the unknown. And then when that didn't work out for her to come back, it was like, well, fuck, do we abandon ship and change the whole course of the story all because that an actress is taking horrible advice and making really bad decisions? (laughs) And it's, you know, look, it's when I said it at the time and people could have been like, he's being a dick. Look her up, man. What has she done since? Like exactly. And, but, exactly. and the thing is, she's a great girl. She's a great actress, but she took bad advice. She had a bad agent, and he thought like he literally said at one point, "You can't make your movie without her, so you'll do no. whatever you say." And I'm like, "Watch!" And then I go and I get the <laughs> biggest, the biggest scream queen of our generation. So it was like, all right, so Tamara's not returning as that character, and people were like, "What?" And then it's but Daniel Harris is, and then it was. Yeah. Yeah! So oh, we got like, Jamie Lund, yeah. <laughs> people got over it pretty quick. Yeah, you really stepped in shit there, man. That was like perfect. And it's like it, it, it all makes sense. So like you said, you got all these guys from the 80s. Daniel Harris, it, you you almost wonder why you didn't do it the first time. But just like you said, it would become a joke. But because of what happened, it worked. It's just it's just perfect. It is. Yeah. It's the one inconsistency in the movies. And, you know, if I if somebody could have told me now what was going to happen, obviously I would have just hired Danielle. But um, and believe me, she never lets me forget it. But um, <laughs> yeah, now you want me, <laughs> you know, I'm just so glad that she was willing to do it because it's like some people would have been like their pride would have gotten in the way and they would have been like, wait, so now you want me back now you want me to do it and replace right. this like relatively unknown person. Are you kidding me? But no, she didn't. And she's, she just has no ego and she loves this stuff. And she's been such a close friend of mine for so long. And uh, it really just, it just worked out great. And she really had a hard time in two because not only is she replacing somebody, but she also had to start at 10. Like normally in these movies, you start at one point and gradually you escalate to hysteria and crying. She had to start there. And for the whole movie, she's a wreck. And now in this one, Right in the beginning, she has that moment of almost like snapping and just sort of shutting down. And then the sort of biting wit of Mary Beth comes back. And, you know, those scenes in the in the jail Jail cell and the police car, like, you know, her her wit comes back to her. But in the second one and, you know, she kept saying to me, like, 
fuck. She's like, I have to be crying through this whole movie. That's going to be so annoying. And I'm like, all right, well, you just your whole family's dead. Everybody got massacred in front of you. What do you how would you act? And she's like, yeah, you're right. So um, you, I mean, these movies only work if the actors play them with complete conviction and play it as real as possible because it's a ridiculous situation. It's a very comical situation. But if you play it dead serious, that's where it becomes really fun for the audience. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. And Dan, what was that thing you mentioned about Adam in the jail cell with the line right before that? Oh, it was fucking uh, hilarious, what, dude. Yeah, you were ragging on jokes. too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Zach Allegan, uh, his character basically re- does an abbreviated <laughs> version of what's happened up until now and then shits on it and says that's got to be some of the most idiotic and contrived storytelling. And then I'm, I just happen to be in the jail cell next to him looking all offended. Um, that was a really funny thing. And when I... And when everyone started reading the script, that was like that was one of those things where, you know, you send the script to the cast and yep. you sort of wait. And normally it's about ninety minutes or an hour later, people start texting you or calling you with their thoughts. But that was one where everybody instantly put down the script and had to call and be like, "That was fucking awesome." So yeah, right? uh, yeah. Dude, I love that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones, man. And I did a little fist pump because, dude, I love it because it's the same fucking character from one and two. Like you were puking in the first one, right? That's supposed to be right. Well, no, the first one, I'm one of Joel Joel Moore's friends who doesn't go on the swamp tour because I want to go drinking. And the second one, I'm throwing up on the sidewalk the next morning. And then the third one, they picked me up to bring me into the drunk tank. So even my character has an arc. Even the the fucking raccoon (laughs) in the bush, Hatchet One, has an arc that does have a, a finale to his story and um yes he does everything everything was there for a reason everything works out so but it's you know going back to that joke in the jail cell yep. nobody is better at making fun of me than me and <laughs> i know that's pissed off some critics because i beat them to it because if i say it then what are they gonna say <laughs> like right right, right. But, um you have to have a sense of humor about yourself with this shit. You can't take yourself that seriously. And you got to remember like what it is you're actually doing and enjoy it and have fun with it. So I, I definitely love that side, especially like with Holliston. I mean, if you saw the season premiere, Kane Hodder has a line where he says, now that I'm not Jason anymore, I'm going to get stuck doing shitty Friday the 13th knockoffs by young wannabe directors who think they're making the next icon of art. And I break the fourth wall and I'm like, nice ad lib, dick. And he looks yeah, at me right? like that. Yeah. So yep. it's just it's just fun to do that. Yeah, man. Speaking of that, too, man, that's funny that you just said that because uh, that leads into my next question. This is actually a fan question, too. We call them. Uh, what are they called on yours? Uh, yeah, no, ours are listener letters. And what's yours, Adam? Viewer mail. <laughs> now, what is that? The template for like uh, questions? You just you just say it in a high pitched or sing it or something? Yeah. Whenever we get to that part of the podcast, we, it just started on the first one. I don't even. We had no <laughs> agenda for this thing. We had no plan, and we've been oh. asked for years by so many companies to do a podcast for them, and we just always said no because we're filmmakers first. We're always guests on podcasts, and it was like right. why? But then it was like you know, with all the access we have to all these actors and other directors and filmmakers to yep. actually have discussions that are filmmakers on filmmakers and tell like totally candidly, like the real stories behind making these things like mm-hmm. instantly. It was just weird seeing the type of people that were tweeting about it and telling people to listen to it. Cause it was like yeah, major right. critics that were acknowledging it being like, if you want to learn about filmmaking, like listen to this podcast, like you'll learn a lot. And um, we don't, you know, we just kind of talk and we do our thing, but um, I mean, that Sid Haig one, I learned so much oh. stuff during that. Mm. And um, the Joel Moore one as well. Um, yep. 
We're recording one in a few hours for Monday, and Laura Ortiz is our guest because now that the show is in swing, we're going to dedicate a a certain portion of each podcast to that episode that just aired. So uh, there'll be a lot of awesome people coming on, but it's um, it's fun and like doing the commentary, which everybody wants us to do another fan commentary to another movie. um, I think the next one we do is you know I don't want to promise anything. It's probably going to be Battleship. Um, because oh yeah, you're talking about it, that. yeah. If, did you guys see it? No, dude. I, because of what you said, everybody said it was shit, dude. But now that it, you said, I'll watch it. Everyone who said it was shit didn't <laughs> see it. No, I, exactly. There's no way you can. If I mean, look, if you yeah. don't like Independence Day or Transform, if you don't like those types of movies, then okay, fine, yeah, it's shit. Right. But if you if you can enjoy a big summer popcorn blockbuster movie, there is no way that you can. If it was just called something else, right. Then, Everyone would have loved it. And it was huge in every other country, but in America because of the hmm. title. And it was like the cool movie to rip on. And like, I literally, like, my heart aches for Peter Berg because the guy is yeah. such a fucking good director. He did such a good job. And to have to take that amount of shit. And I'm sure he knew when he took the job that, fuck, it's called Battleship. Really, everyone's <laughs> going to rag on this. Same thing for Rob Zombie when he did the remake of Halloween. Like, yep. that movie was going to happen no matter what. And I got to give him credit, like whether you like it or not, at least he just said, fuck it, I'm going to stay true to what I do and I'm going to do my version of this, whether you like it or not. And that's what he did. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, as a filmmaker, I always like, that's why I'd be a horrible critic. Like I like most of the stuff I see because even if I, even if I necessarily like it, I always like can sympathize with like the person who made it and like, (laughs) yeah, dude. so it's. But what we don't want to do is do commentaries where we're ever ragging on something. It, like, you'll never dude. hear us review somebody else's work or say anything negative about somebody else's movie. Like, cause, I mean, right. who are we to do that? So um, people want us to eventually do commentaries for all the Friday the 13th movies. But unfortunately, there's some of them that were much more missed than hit, in, in my opinion. And so... Uh-huh. Oh, yeah? The, Which one? Uh, you know. Like, like uh, <laughs> you know. let's say... Okay, now listen, Adam. I want to see know. if you agree with Dan and I. Okay. We don't think Friday 3 is as great as everybody thinks it is. No, it's not. It's not. Thank Friday you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Friday, Friday 2 and Friday 4 are the best. Yeah. I like... I like I like three a lot. I like six a lot. I think yep. seven has the best looking Jason. Yeah, but the worst there's, story. You know, there's moments in all of them that are great, but I think two and four, if like I, those are like I mean four was legitimately fucking scary, oh. and and two was just fucking awesome. Like two Perfect. was so good. Two was and yep. two was also the first. I think it was the first horror movie I ever saw. Oh, was part two. Go. Um, that or, or Carpenter's Halloween because it was always on TV, but, um, it was like, I just fucking love to, I think two is so good. What do you think of part eight? Um, not a fan and, uh, but, but I'm not a fan. Look, I I like that they tried to change it up and get them out of the swamp and the swamp, the the lake. But people always (laughs) say that to me. It's like, well, when are you going to take them out of the swamp? And it's Uh like, Trust me, you don't want him out of the swamp. And if you know the mythology, he wouldn't leave. He's a ghost. He's tied to that area. So um, who knows? Maybe someday somebody will figure out a way to bring him out and maybe they'll do a good job. I don't know. But like, I mean, I like Jason X. I thought that that was really fun. And it was like, was it a Friday the 13th movie? Not necessarily. But it's like, look, if you're going to try to do something new, then do something new and go for it and and try to have fun with it. But, uh, you know, eight for me, it's just like, there were no deaths in it. Like they cut away every time there was a death scene. Yep. And I'm sure that was the MPAA, but yeah. um, it just didn't really ever get there for me. But, you know, I, I like Kane in it and there's, you know, there's good parts, but. Okay. How about the remake? Um, 
the remake. Uh, you know, I still don't really know where I stand on it. When I first Ooh. saw it, I really liked uh, Derek. I really liked his portrayal of Jason. But um, I didn't love the movie because it was just really uh, polished and all the blue lens flare. And I and they it felt like they didn't pick a tone. It's yep. like... Is it yep. going to be scary or is it going to be campy? Like, I'll, I'm cool either way, but commit to it and don't right. straddle the line because you're scared to go either way. And that's sort of where I, it landed. But then when my wife watched it without me, she was like, I don't know how you can like part five and part six and part seven and part eight and part nine, but you, but not like this one. She's like, it's, you know, it's not Friday the 13th, but like, Watch it again, and I did, and, and I liked it a lot better. So um, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. I mean, all these remakes, especially like if you're if you're my age, like I'm in my late thirties now. Like I grew up with this stuff. It's so holy to me. So it's hard to watch a reboot of it because. Right. And but you got to remember, like they're not replacing the one that exists. It will always exist. This is just yeah. a new telling of it, that's and it. and that, and that's that's all it is. Okay, I got one more because this is this is me. We do a lot of this. Halloween remake versus the second one Rob Zombie did. What do you think is better? Um, God, you know, I don't know enough about them, unfortunately. I, I saw them both, but both times it was like a weird situation. Like when we saw two, we were scouting the drive-in for where we were going to shoot Chillerama, and it happened. <laughs> thing. So I was kind of half watching it, half not. Um, it seemed pretty <laughs> brutal from what I saw, um, but I don't, like, I don't know. And again, like, yeah. like Carpenter's Halloween is up there with E.T. is my favorite movie of all time. So I, I can't ever look at it and just, you know, see it for what it is. But I do remember when I saw the first one of being like, kudos to Rob Zombie because he made Rob Zombie's version of Halloween. Yep. And he didn't, he, like, he didn't let all the, like, controversy about there being a remake, he didn't let anything fuck with him. He just did his thing. And so whether or not it was for me or not, yep. he did his thing. And I can tell you, as someone who does all these conventions... There's a whole younger audience who love that movie and they don't like the original. Like they, they, their first experience with Michael Myers was that movie. And then they went and watched the original and they were bored by it. And as much (laughs) as I want to strangle them when they say stuff like that, it's, that's just the way it is. That kind of makes me happy though, because it's almost like, all right, let us have the original. You guys can have the fucking new one, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, the yeah. original's not going anywhere. So, right. like, when people are like, they're raping a franchise, they're doing <laughs> it. It's like, dude, come on. Like, you're, it, the original's still there, and maybe it'll drive people to see it. Like, Dawn of the Dead, which yep. I, I really oh. like that remake. But dude. when that came out, it got so many people. Like, Anchor Bay is the distributor for the original. They had such a spike in sales on the original. So many people went and discovered that movie who didn't know about it before. And that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, right. you know, it's it's whatever. I, the, the only time I get anti-remake is really just the executives in Hollywood that we went through a period where they would not greenlight anything with a real budget unless it was a remake. And and it sucked because the fans were complaining, yet they saw every one of them. <laughs> right. And, and so that's, that's why it happens. And they get so mad when I say that, when I'm like, well, the reason we have remakes is because you guys love them so much. And they're like, no, we don't. You do. Name what you, you didn't see. Oh, no, I had to see it. It was out. Yeah, right. exactly. But where were you for Let the Right One In when that was in limited release? Where were you for a movie like Grace? Where were you for Spiral? Where were you like – Oh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, right. We're at the fucking remakes. So that's why we had them. It's a business. Like they will, they will make whatever they think will make money. That's all they care about. So if you support it, they're going to keep making it. 
And let's face it, Halloween 5, 6, and 8 raped Halloween, so let's well, get yeah, that out of the way. Where, where'd you approach, though, Adam, at one point, dude? I remember you took to Twitter or Facebook and had to refute it because there were rumors that you were involved in some franchise or something. Didn't you, like, deny it, too, just because it was, like, a found footage? I don't know. I'm going strictly internet shit here, man. Don't quote me. Look, I mean, I take a lot of meetings. I get a lot of phone calls for a lot of right. different things. And uh, there, uh, what happened was I was on the carpet for – the Hatchet 2 premiered Fright Fest. And somebody said, you know, would you ever do a Friday the 13th movie? And I'm like, look, I'd love to do a Friday the 13th movie, but it, you know, it would depend on the circumstances and like who's involved and what the movie is because sometimes you get called for things and all of a sudden they're like, right. we want to do this remake, but we don't want the killer in it or we want a found footage movie. Or, and somehow right. that turned into <laughs> I was offered Friday the 13th as a found right. footage movie and said, no, I never said that. So right, right. Um, it's you know, it's, you can't, you can't do that in this business. Like when you turn something down, you don't, you can't tell everybody that tell like it, right. it's, just, it's just not good. It's not good form. So believe me, I've turned down a lot of stuff, but it's, yep. it's, I'm not, I'm not going to tell everybody about that. It's like, huh. if I turned it down, it was just because I, I wasn't the right guy for it. It doesn't mean it's not that there couldn't be somebody else who is right for it, but I'm very lucky that I have my own studio. I'm on like my own island with this whole Aeroscope thing. And like we just keep yep. chugging along and doing the things that we want to do. And right. I mean, would I like to do a huge budget blockbuster Hollywood movie and buy another house and all this other shit? Yeah, <laughs> of course. But it's got to be the right thing. And thankfully, I'm in a position where I can keep making what I want and be really happy doing it, even if the budgets are smaller and I'm not filthy rich. Like I, I'm. I do very well and I'm, I'm happy with it. And if it's the right thing, I'll totally do it. Like I'm now on Twitter the past three days. I just had to actually ask my agent what was up with this. Cause all of a sudden there's this influx of, are you going to do Friday the 13th again? And I'm like, where is this? Oh, oh because, because of the uh, Paramount thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Paramount. Yeah. Got Dude, are you excited about that though? Well, I, I just, I literally right before <laughs> we got on, that's when my agent said, Oh yeah, Paramount got it oh. back. I'm like, <laughs> All right, well, I don't know where I'm getting dragged into this. Like, I they haven't called me. I haven't talked to them about it. Like, nothing. Right. So, um, look, if if they ever came to me and said, like, what, like the deal that Rob Zombie had with Halloween, where they were like, we want you to make Adam Green's Friday the 13th, fucking absolutely 100%, I will say yes, and I will do yes. it, and it will be the best fucking Friday the oh. 13th movie I can make. Dude, but, what would that if be they like? don't, If that's not the case, and they're like, we want to do Friday the 13th, but we don't want Jason in it anymore. Or we <laughs> then no, I'm not going to do it. So right, um, right, it's, right. it. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, Adam Goodman, president of Paramount, I'm yep. sure you listen to the skeleton crew. If you hear this <laughs> and you want to offer me that movie to do it my way, then I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Let's get this going. Come on. <laughs> now, Adam, will you ever pull a Rob Zombie on us and stop doing horror and make a hockey movie? <laughs> Uh, yes, I will. Really? I, uh, I, I mean, I already did. I stopped and I made a sitcom. So, I mean, yeah, there's horror elements to it. But things exactly. I do, right. there's going to be horror elements to it probably because that's what I love. But, I mean, I started out as a comedian. I was doing stand-up. My first movie was a romantic comedy, which is what Holliston – it became Holliston. Um, it was called Coffee and Donuts when I made it back in the day. But um, I have romantic comedy scripts. I've written lots of TV pilots that were just straight comedies. Like, I, I like everything. I mean, my favorite yeah. movie of all time is E.T. I would love to do a coming-of-age story at some point. 
But I've been lucky that even within the genre, the horror genre, I've been able to do so many different types of things. Like Hatchet is a comedic slasher movie and Spiral is a very serious, dark psychodrama. And Grace right. is just the most disturbing fucking thing ever. And Frozen was a survival thriller. And Chillerama was, you know, ridiculous and funny. And I mean, the <laughs> fact that I got to do a foreign film, I got to do a, a German black and white 1940s <laughs> Frankenstein movie was so Dude. fun. So it's, you know, it, it's just whatever... I'm excited about that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I mean, the one I'm doing now, Digging Up the Marrow, like it can't even really be described yet because it it started out, we were going to make a documentary and then slowly it started to become something else. And now it's more just like a narrative. Like it's not, a, I almost like, I don't want to use the word mockumentary. I don't want, it's definitely not found right. footage. Like I don't even know what it is. And it's, the movie's now leading us. And it's been really cool to go on that journey and just see how it's, how, what it's turning out to be. But Again, like with everything I do, I just I can't I can't worry about it. And I learned that from season one of Holliston. Like I can't worry about the outcome. I just have to do what I'm doing and whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And if I start worrying about it or thinking, well, if I do that, that's a risk and people might not like then I need to quit if I start doing that because it's yeah. there's no point. But with season one of Holliston, mm-hmm. you can tell when you watch season one and when you watch even just the Christmas special or season yep, two. Yep. The confidence level in the cast right. is so much stronger, and not now. <laughs> not just because of like, not like we're better actors now or whatever. The acting is fine in season one. I mean, and, and truth be told, after you finish season two, if you go back and watch season one, you're gonna like it that much better. It's it's a Hell sitcom. Yeah. The first few episodes of any sitcom that you watch, it's gonna feel a little weird to you and a little awkward because you're not in yet. But as it keeps going, you think the show is getting better. But, like, a great example was the Tony Todd episode of Holliston. <laughs> yeah. That was episode four. A lot of people were like, yep, they're hitting their stride now. You can tell that they're really getting comfortable. That was the first episode we shot. That was, wow. like, we shot <laughs> oh, the pilot shit. last. So wow. it's, it, it's the audience that's getting used to it. And now when, once you're in on the show and you're like, I like this show, go back and watch those original episodes. Like, they're just as good as the other ones. But you can tell that there's a fear that's gone. And again, not in the writing or the performing, but just there's a feeling on screen where with the first one, we were like, this could be a disaster because it's no one's ever done this. And so people might reject it because they, as much as people always say they want something original, right. they kind of don't. They like familiar. They like exactly. things that are like what else, other things right. they like. So we, did, we had no idea. And then Joe and I both like, before it started, we were like, all right, look, no matter what we do, there's going to be somebody who says that we're fucking terrible because mm-hmm. this was not in the cards for us to be – forget actors, but the leads of a sitcom. Like right? That was not in the cards. Nobody was expecting this to happen. So they're going to instantly just say, well, they're better directors than they are actors, even though – we're not acting. We're all we're doing right. is being ourselves, and we're both very comfortable in front of the camera. So we're just being us. But um, thankfully, nobody nobody really said that. The only places we ever got that was like you know message board shit. Like no right, right. no respectable critic ever said that. So with season two, it was like now we knew not only was the show working, but we knew that we could make the show that we wanted to make. I didn't have to be afraid of the sentimental moments or the sweet moments because with season one, I would struggle in editing of like, do I, do I blow through this quicker? Are people going to get bored with this, with the love story? Like, I don't know, but that was the shit that people responded to the most. Like, yes, the cameos of the horror genre icons are fun. The, the, the gore moments are, are funny, the references, but that's not a series. 
that's just a sequence of funny jokes. But when you have characters that people are really vested in, and if anybody out there understands what it's like to feel like an outsider, to be rejected, to be heartbroken, to not get the girl, to not get the job that you wanted, to be beaten down, it's us. And that's why we are a culture and not just fans. Like, Oh, yeah, right, Adam. Says, says the guy with the wicked hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> I've been with her. I've been with Riley since long before any of this happened. So, and she's a geek like me. She's into this stuff too. I mean, they're out there. You just gotta, you know, we met working at the rainbow bar and grill. Like when I was struggling, I was a DJ there. It's a heavy metal club. She was the hostess. I was the DJ. Like we became friends. And then I asked her to model in the young Victor Crowley makeup for the hatchet trailer. that made. She played like, I mean, people know the story, but it's like, it wasn't like, Okay, now I'm a, I'm a successful director, so now I'm going to start like tagging fucking hot actresses and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's it, it wasn't like that, but but yeah, it, we we are a culture, and yes, it's easy to say now because it worked out for me. But the show is about a very real time in my life when it was not working out. I mean, my first girlfriend, the girl that Corey is based on, destroyed me, absolutely fucking destroyed me. Like literally like in the hospital, couldn't eat with like ulcers and like nobody knew what to do. Like, I mean, it was horrible. And that's when another thing, you know, I mentioned the therapist thing, like doing that show. It's like when you write it, you're writing it from a place of comedy and it's funny and you're making fun of that time of your life. And then you do the table read for the network and then you do the rehearsals. But when you're actually shooting and you're in that moment and you have to feel like that again, it fucking sucks. And it's really hard to shut it off and go home and not still carry some of that pain that you had buried. Right. And so there was a scene in the, in the first episode when I see Corey again for the first time and she's got this boyfriend who's like 6'2 and chiseled and good looking and he's a doctor and he's like total douche, but he's like everything that I'll never be. And um, My favorite film is The Exorcist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a line in there where uh, I say, you know, I'm trying to convince Corey that I'm happy and I moved on and I say, someday I'm going to marry a girl and it's not going to be you. And um, when we, when I had to say that for real in the moment, I started tearing up. And if you, especially mm. if you have the Blu-ray, if you look closely, you can see I'm, I'm crying through that whole scene. And wow. the cast is all my best friends. And so when we'd say cut from behind the video village and where the audience is, everybody's clapping and laughing. And they're all like, that was great. You should cry more. <laughs> and Joe's pulling me aside and Corey and Laura. And they're like, Are you, do you want to stop? Are you all right? Because nobody was expecting that to happen, and especially me. But I was like, you know what? No, it's honest. It's real. Like, keep keep going. Let's let's do it. But uh, it is hard to then go home and not still feel horrible. So um, right, right. it's I'm, I'm learning how to balance the two as I go. But I think that the show is written from a very honest place. Is why fans are relating to it because it's it, it's really fucking hard, dude. Seriously, like to put yourself out there like that with your real oh. life and and have people judge it um, is 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 it's not as easy as I might make it look. And uh, I was yeah. very, very critical and, and nervous about the reviews with season one. Now, now I'm beyond it. I don't care. But um, thankfully, the reviews were were amazing. That's awesome, man. I, I remember when you first came on, too, You that's what you were saying to us. You were, I don't know how this is going to be, man. I don't know how people are going to perceive it. And I remember I loved it initially. And, dude, honestly, like, watching all the episodes and shit like that, it's just fun, man. Like, uh, horror fans, like Alex said, you know, a lot of it, obviously, it's comedy. And then you throw in fucking Dream Warrior and Scanner references, dude. It's uh, Come on, man. To me, it's the ultimate show, brother. And you nailed it. And fucking, so I just want to thank you for it, you know? Well, yeah. Well, see that, okay, that, what you just said, that's 
why this is my favorite thing because the, yeah. the letters we get are they're literally thank you letters. It's not fan mail. It's thank you letters. Right. And, yeah. um, and that's really, really special. But the amount of people that come come to see us at conventions and now it's gotten to the point. I mean, like Cincinnati, we signed for seven and a half hours and still what? turned over 300 people like we, wow. we couldn't. Wow. We can't keep up with it now. The show's really, really getting big. And. But people want to share their stories with us because they feel like they know us. They feel like we're part of their group of friends, which is great. And so they start telling you about the guy that you know, that broke her heart and, and like <laughs> fucked her over, the breakup they're going through, or the, what, like. And it's right. it's just awesome that horror fans can have something besides horror movies because. But wait, dude, you, you still want to hang out though, right? When you come, of course, you yeah. Okay, totally, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Oh, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> right. It'll be yeah. awesome. Yeah, all the other losers. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I want to tell you, Adam, you have the greatest references in your movies, dude. Like, one of my favorite ones was uh, your your Christmas story reference in uh, part two. That was just so awesome, dude. It's like, one of my favorite movies, and so right? it, the moment just sort of called for it, and we did it. And I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting a Christmas story reference in Hats <laughs> too. So. That, that's what's so great about it, dude. It's just, it's just perfect. I love that, and I love what you said on the Friday Thirteenth Part Four commentary. Like, do, whatever you want to do in your, in this life you can do it believe in yourself you can make it happen don't ever let anybody like you say oh no one's gonna read my script no one's gonna do this you just have to believe in yourself you just send a really positive message i'm so glad that you're doing what you want every time we watch a movie we could always tell that you're doing what you want to do and you don't care what everyone thinks like you might care once it's released and say, like, oh, I wonder what everybody thinks. But while you were doing it, dude, it was pure, man. Fuck yeah. Well, I, you know, thank you. And I think that's, I think that's what everybody needs to do. If you're going to do this, this business for the money and the fame, then you've got to pick something else because chances are 99% that that part's not ever going to happen. Right. Um, and, and you're just doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, but if, if it, there's something about, doing this, of, of telling stories, of entertaining people. And all I do is just do, I just try to make the stuff that I would want to watch. And yeah. that's why those weird references sometimes make their way in. Like it's, right, right. it's not like I'm like, oh, I should make a reference. It just happens organically. And I think that's one of the strengths of Holliston is all of those references. They just sort of happen because that's how the characters would speak. That's That's who they are. It's not forced in where it's like, we need a horror reference every few minutes or whatever. I mean, there's an episode this season. Actually, you know, I got to correct myself. I was just episode nine. Um, it's called Kevin's Wedding. That's my favorite episode this season because it's a it's a Corey episode, and she she doesn't always get Corey episodes. Like season one, Corey was like almost like a supporting character, right. and she is part of the ensemble. But in in this season, she really, which is why the Christmas special had to go the way it did, so that yep. she could step up. Um, but yep. Uh, the Kevin's wedding episode, there's nothing horror about it, but then I just remembered there's like two like graphically violent scenes in it, so I, I guess I'm wrong. But um. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. Yeah, dude. I, I was talking to Alex, and we love the Expendables and shit, dude. I was not disappointed because I love the kill. I, dude, I thought we were gonna see a Jason versus Jason, and I know you were ragging on fucking people that pit. Oh, you know, Jason versus Jason, you know. And I'm doing it right now, but dude, I seriously thought we were gonna see those two fucking just brawl like the Expendables or you know the Avengers or something like that. And when and, Mears and Kane, yeah, sorry, good. And look, it, it that was a you know, there's gonna be some people that are yeah. gonna be like, what? But <laughs> right, right. we already did 
we already did that huge knockdown drag out fight between Kane and RA and Hatchet right. too. And like, right. again, like you don't want to make the same exact movie again. So yep. to, for me, because Derek's character has such bravado and yep. he's so sure of himself and he's so cocky and right. even down to like the, let's do this bitch to have it <laughs> probably just take him out in one second. That's what I loved about it, dude. Yes, exactly. And the screenings that I've been to with an audience, everybody just cheers. And I mean, yep. they're clapping for so long after that. Right. So as much as people might just it, when you watch a movie, of course you have expectations and there's things you want, but you always have to, and like critics need to learn this. Don't watch the movie for what you wanted it to be. Right. Just watch the movie and see if you like it. And right. it, but some people go into it expecting something, and then if it's not what, like, just out of the trailer, sometimes trailers are misleading. They make you think that something yeah. happens in that order, and it doesn't, and then it gets people all in a huff. But you know, it's it's about the moment and 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 what it does. And I think yeah. for everyone who does get to see Hatchet Three in a theater, I can almost guarantee that that scene will get applause. Oh. Yeah. Dude, I love it. And I and just to be clear, dude, that's what I'm saying. Um, what you just said, it worked in that instance. Like I was expect oh shit, here we go. And then he just fucking kills him and I'm like, that was the shit, dude. Like that's what I'm saying. It worked perfectly. So I just want to make that clear. I, I wasn't hating, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, it, it and I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny you said that, Adam. I, I didn't like the trailer of Hatchet Three. I watched it and I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be that great. I just wasn't digging it, and there was like a scene that I just wasn't liking it, and all of a sudden we get we get to watch the movie and dude i am glued to the screen i had i was drinking i had to go take a piss i had to pause it and i said <laughs> i'm 30 minutes in and this is like the greatest 30 minutes i've seen in a very long time yeah alex like, texted me yeah he was like dude he's like i'm only a half hour in this is the shit yeah like adam you, this is great and i'm not just saying it because you're on the show we already said this and it's like i'm thrilled that it's this good man okay. i mean it's the writing is so good and it's just so it's it's intense like i said every every minute there's there's not a dead spot in the movie nope yeah you know we we tried to to make this the third act and make it you know just non-stop and and go and like the good thing is that now with doing a part three we don't need to explain anything anymore it's all set up so you you get to just go and um uh yeah i mean like with the with the second one, we had to tell the real story of Victor Crowley. It's so important to know where he really came from and why he's the way he is and what he is. Um, and and that's to me, that's still probably my favorite part of the whole the whole franchise is is that flashback story in two, um, especially <laughs> the, the night we shot Tony Todd <laughs> doing the voiceover. Um, it was we were in the voodoo shop. It was the end of the day, and we just needed to get Tony telling the story. And so all of us literally like grabbed pillows and blankets, <laughs> we shut off the lights and just all lied on the floor with our eyes closed and listened to Tony Todd and that amazing voice tell that story. And it was fucking amazing. Like we all just had chills and it was like, right? and so he did it in one take. And then when he was done, he's like, all right, let's go again. I'm like, no, no, stop. That's it. We have it done. And he's like, right? you don't want another. I'm like, no, nope. that was it. Because he read it with such conviction and such emotion, and and you can see in the movie how there's tears running down his face. I mean, it's like yep. it like that it needed that so much to make Victor Crowley what Victor Crowley is. You have to feel sympathy for him because if he's just a bad guy mm-hmm. doing bad things, it's so the fuck what. But when you can like you know, we always compared him to Frankenstein, and that's one of 
Kane's favorite monsters as well. But like Frankenstein didn't ask to be in that situation. He didn't do anything wrong. Like he got, he was put there and he doesn't even understand that what he's doing is wrong. And all Victor Crowley wants is to find his father because he's scared and he doesn't understand what happened. And that, you know, the ending of three that, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't yeah. watched the movie yet, stop. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna warn people. Spoilers. Yeah. But here, I, I have a question for you. This is sort of a geek question. So, Kane Hodder hatchets through the door. He kills Victor Crowley. Then Kane Hodder dies ten years later. So Victor Crowley's ghost did not reappear until his dad was already dead. Then, he as never... far as as far as people know. Now, in my mind. Victor Crowley was still coming back to the house every night to see his oh, father. Ah, see, dude? Because his father was a recluse. Nobody ever saw him again. Oh. And part of the reason why he oh. did was he was hiding his shame because of his infidelity and how he fucked up his life. Right. So maybe Victor Crowley was still coming to see him, but now that he's gone and Victor Crowley doesn't know where he went and doesn't understand, um, that's when the trouble started. So uh, oh. you know, there's always a different perspective to it. And I try to leave that stuff open-ended because a lot of times for the audience, what you think is more important than what I tell you to think. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's a very emotional story uh, between right. his father and, and the, I mean, the fact that it was an accident that he got killed, the fact that it's his father's fault that he was born like that because of the voodoo curse, because of what he did. Like, I mean, right. it was just like, and I think again, like that's why I fucking love three. I love one. I love two, but like two will, two is meant to be the empire strikes back tonally. Yep. And so, um, it's two is always going to be very, very special to me, but it's, you know, everyone's always going to have their favorite. I don't, th- I think we need to wait a good 10 years and then have people watch them again and then decide what your favorite is because it's always easy to like the newest one best. Like when two came out, there were so many people that were like, this is so much better than the first one. And I'd be like, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. Like, you know, the first one is the, is always going to be the first one. And the second one, and there's other people that are like, Oh, right. fuck the second one. The first one was right. better. The second one sucks. And it's like, right. right? And then, <laughs> yep. you know, then years later, two years later, then they start coming around on it. Especially now that three is coming out. I've seen a lot of stuff online where people are like, you know, and getting ready to watch the third one, I watched the second one again, and fuck, it's really good. And I don't know why my review was so scathing, and because they never backed it up, it was mm-hmm. always just fuck this movie, and it was like, well, why? And it's right. like, no, oh, yeah. like, I just <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, I I watched the first one, and it was like, all right, that's cool, man. And then the second one, I didn't like it as much. I'll be honest with you, I really didn't. And uh, then when we're gonna do the retrospective. I watched part one again. I was like, wow. I can't believe I really didn't recognize how good this is. Then I watched part two again, and I was like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. In fact, I really like it a lot. Like, this whole story, how he expanded, and I, and like you said, when Tony Todd gave that whole thing to him, oh, and he was all yep. emotional, I got emotional, and I can't believe that. I'm getting emotional about Hatchet too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there like, why am I feeling this way? And I dug it, it ended, I'm like, shit. And I was like, wow, and then part three... I'm like on the edge of my seat. Dude, I think this is one of the strongest horror franchises. I think you're right. Time really helps Hatchet. Yeah, it it, it definitely does. I think I mean I think it helps almost any movie because that's where you right. that's where you really know if it stands up because yeah. there's too much like promotion and hype right. and and the release and the size of the release and where can you see it but like years later once it's available to everybody and everybody's seen it like that's when you really really know and um you know, it's uh, 
it's it's hard. You know, when we started Hatchet Two, like at the very first pre-production meeting, I said to all of the department heads because everybody was so excited to be back. I'm like, look, we're all excited about this. We all know how good this movie can be if we do a good job. But just understand, it's a sequel. So no matter what we do, yep. there's going to be people that fucking hate it because it's a sequel, and the first one has become very dear to them. And that's all. The only thing that would make them happy is to literally see the first movie again. That's right. it. Anything else, anything that's different, anything, you know, because people were like, I loved how dark it got. I loved that it was serious at times. I loved the ending. And it was like, you do, but just uh, just right. be ready for it. There's going to be people that are like, fuck this movie. So it, and of course, you know, it, it, it happened. Not as bad as I thought. In fact, Hatchet 2, it, Hatchet 2 and Frozen are the two best reviewed movies I've ever done in terms of mainstream. With wow. Hatchet 1, the mainstream hated it. And it was all the, the genre sites, the fanboy sites that rallied behind it. With Hatchet 2, most of the genre sites really liked it. There were a couple that were pretty scathing towards it. But with the mainstream and like the big four that Hollywood cares about are Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, The New York Times, and The LA Times. All four of those gave Hatchet 2 a great review. Wow. Um, but Hatchet 1, not so much. So um, it's, it's just it's – just, Weird, and you can't, and uh, like nobody cares about reviews. When we started right. making Hatchet One, one of my producers showed me this review from the, I think it was in the L.A. Weekly or L.A. Times. It was a review of Jaws, and it said, <laughs> or I think it was, I think it was one of those two papers, um, and it said this movie will be the nail in Steven Spielberg's directing coffin. No, and no, it said, the shark doesn't look real. <laughs> the acting is terrible. It's long. It's boring. What? It's not scary. And it's like, you just can't give a shit about reviews. Although right. I do, I, it's sad that he's gone because I always loved reading his stuff. But yeah. Roger Ebert's review of Hatchet 2 was so great because it was the best review ever. It was like, I can't believe how violent this movie is. I can't believe how much gore there is. They must have like emptied out a butcher shop with how much carnage they're throwing around. <laughs> and it's like, this is the best review ever. And then the last <laughs> sentence was... This is a terrible movie. Do not go see it. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you know what, dude? You just too late because you already just sold every horror fan out Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Um, and I got to tell you, in the beginning of this retrospective, I gave you credit, man. I said that in part one, when when Victor Crowley pulls that chick's mouth apart, that is probably the greatest kill in horror movies ever. Love it. Yeah, that, that's still up there with my favorite. I mean, that, yeah. there's some in two that come close behind it, but that one... That was sort of that one was so important to us because that was sort of his his war cry to the right. to the world of like this is this is my signature thing and you're gonna remember this. That that is the sleeping bag kill of Victor Crowley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, every killer needs that one thing where when if you're still on the fence as a horror fan, there's that gotta be that one thing they do where you go, okay, fine, fuck it, I'm in. And that, yep. that, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was it. it. That was That's fucking it, it dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, and okay, I, I know. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us. So we'll just wrap it up with a, a few quick questions. Um, are, is there going to be another trilogy, four, five, and six? Do you have any plans on that? Yeah, but they're going to be prequels, and there's going to be an all digital character. Oh um, no! Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! No, uh, right now, there's there's nothing planned. Right now, these three were always in the cards. Uh, after this, I really don't know. Um, this was the conclusion of this story. So. If they're, you know, if the fans want it and the situation is right, you know, I'm sure there could be another Victor Crowley movie. Um, I personally, I don't know what that is right now, and I think that's a good thing because, like, 
give it give it a little breather, take some time and like do something new with it. And um, whether I'm involved or not, but this this was my baby, this was my thing, and I'm very happy that it all turned out the way it did. I'm very proud of it. And if it ends here, I think that's great. If it keeps going, that's great too. But I just you know I hope I hope that its heart is still in the right place. Because I mean, already there's fans that are like Hatchet Four, Hatchet Four. It's like you haven't even seen the third one yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have, so it's okay that I say. It. <laughs> right. Um, so right. We'll, we'll see what happens, and you know, time will tell. And I mean, the good thing is, you know, like I was saying about Dark Sky, the distributor, they've never pandered to anything, especially like money. It's always just been about making a good movie for the fans of this series. And so, I have faith that if there is another Hatchet movie, that it'll be a good one. But um, I might. I shouldn't say might. I will most definitely. I will take a huge backseat from here on in. Um, right. I don't. I don't want to do what I did with this one again, where like I'm not in the director's chair, but I'm still in charge. You know, like that was. It was. It was weird at times to to do that because it didn't feel much different than right. than the first time around. But that was also again because BJ is such a good friend and BJ's been a part of this whole thing. It still felt like the same people making this movie, so it it just worked. Right. Exactly, man. Well, hey, dude, thank you for so much. Jesus Christ, you've been an hour and 20 minutes with us assholes. So thank you, man, so much. And uh, are we the first assholes that you know of, too, that have done a Hatchet retrospective? Uh, no, I think there's there's probably a few happening now. And I know there's like, uh, fuck, I don't know if it's in Texas or Kansas City. Like, there's some cities oh, that are showing all three yes. movies in a marathon. Like, I heard about that. Really getting into it and excited about it and... Um, awesome. It's you know it's cool to see, and hopefully, like fans are going to get together and watch the first two movies again before they see the third one, or watch all three of them together. Because I really do think if you watch all three of them together, it's it's a really really great experience to do it that way. Um, especially like you said, revisiting the other ones, you might see them a little bit differently. Um, oh yeah, and so and then it also helps you appreciate just how how well three fits in with it having. Mm-hmm having to be reminded of some of the stuff um so because sometimes you forget yep. but like i was saying like even the raccoon from the bush oh he, yeah he has he has an end so <laughs> yep <laughs> great man well thanks again adam and uh dude obviously i love you and uh you know when you come to cape cod make sure you get some extra soup and uh we'll fucking kick it like bruce lee awesome man thank you guys for having me yeah thank you bro later Clear! 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 Clear!
All right, well, that that was awesome having Adam Green come in the studio. But the thing is, Dan, when he came in, Jamie just ran out of here, and I don't know where she is. She got out, man. I don't know how she did it. She must have picked the lock, man. Wait. Oh, shit. Dude, we got a call she, coming in. Is that her? I don't know. Let's see. Hello? Hi, guys. Jamie, where are you? Okay, well, I'm... I'm not really sure. I'm at a payphone somewhere. I but, thought I told you um, to fuck leave here. I don't even know what happened. Like, I don't even know why I'm out here. It's so weird. I don't remember anything. I think Adam Green must have drugged me or something. Maybe he gave you Oxycontin like Nicola from the Jack Chop. Fucking. <laughs> Fucking. Anyway, but I know we have to do this review, so I had to call in. Yeah. Then you guys have to come get me because it's kind of scary here. When you get back in the studio, you are getting a spanking. A hundred lashes. hundred so lashes sweet. from each of us. <laughs> yeah, so sweet. You're going to look like the prisoner from Castle Mare, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? What's your name, boy? Kunta. Kunta Kente. Well, nice of you to show, Jamie. <laughs> we have Hatchet 3. This movie comes out on June 14th, 2013. But us assholes got to see it early so we could do the show. Yeah. This movie, you see, uh, when I watched it, it was before watching Hatchet 1 and 2 over again. So to me, this movie was like a huge step up because I, Hatchet 1 was okay, 2 I despised. And then I watched this one, and this was like an event. This was amazing. They pulled out all the stops. The writing was great. The kills mm -hmm. were great. Solid as a rock. Then I watched the other two. Did we watch the same movie? Fuck off. Oh, snaps. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> then I watched the <laughs> other two, go. and I came back to this one, and the second watch, it's just as good. If not, I was more into it this time. And and they make the other ones better, right? Yes, they do. Dude, because this is what I'm saying, all right? Okay, if you look at Hatchet 1 and 2 by themselves, and, you know, okay, that's how it's going to end or whatever... Um, the conclusion in Hatchet 3 is just so spot on and it's just so great of how to actually kill Victor Crowley as opposed to the second one which didn't work and I just loved yeah. it man it seemed like everything came full circle in 3 Jamie what is your problem? <laughs> what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't understand how you guys like it so much oh really? I mean, I'm having the same issues with this movie that I've had through the entire series Except for Danielle Harris was not in the first one. Fuck off. I think Wait. she's just as wooden here. She doesn't say anything except fuck you. Fuck off. They, that was great. That's all she says. That's great. That's great writing. I guess that depends. You know, I mean, if you if you want less dialogue coming out of her mouth, which is apparently a good thing. Fuck off. It is. D didn't it help her? Probably good. Wasn't she a lot better because of it? Well, no, because then she just sat huh. there with that look on her face the whole time. And I just wanted to slap it off. I mean, what just, about... She, She's got Jamie. that. Her eyebrow was in the right place. I'm, I'm, I'm really intense look on her face, and I'm just like, oh my god! And every time you turn around, I'm just like, ah, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. And I'm like, fuck off. Okay, I'm bored. No, what are you talking about? Okay, I'm bored. Throughout the entire oh, thing, I was bored. Really? I liked it slightly better than the second one. Okay. Slightly. Slightly. Uh, Dan, she hates the second one. All right, yeah, I can tell. But um, yo, but, Jamie, um, even even with your homegirl stretch, dude, did did you at least like that? She was fucking wasted. I love her. I love her. But like, 
What do you mean she her, wrote? I don't know who wrote her dialogue or if it was just bad writing or if she just completely ignored the dialogue and made it up as she went along. But when they're in the prison, I mean, in the, in the jail, and she says the same thing over and over and over and over again, I'm like, okay, we get the point. She's the only one. She's the only one. Welcome what? to the 33rd Annual Player Haters Ball. Jamie, you are really, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I just don't like the movie. I don't understand what's so wrong with that. A lot of people aren't going to like this movie. No, that's not true. If you don't like the second one, I wouldn't expect to like this one. Oh, this is so much better than the second one, though, man. Like, even even if you despise the second one, like Alex said he initially yeah. did, and then you see three, and then you go back, and you, you do appreciate two more, but f- forget two. We're not talking about two. Three as a whole, as a movie, dude, is a great fucking horror movie, dude. I'm sorry, man. You know, we talk about fucking... Uh, Fucking, uh, we, we talk about a lot of different movies, uh, Slash. Who in the hell is going to go through the hole of a boat with a, with a belt sander? Okay, that was stupid, but, but... Right, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. No, I agree. You know what? Let's not give spoilers yet. We want people who uh, have not, because we're dropping this on the day it comes out. That's not a... I mean, that doesn't really... That's not going to spoil anything. Well, from this point forward, I'm saying. It's just, I'm... By the time we get to the third one, I'm sick of seeing the same bullshit over and over and over again, and that's all it is. Eh. That's uh, all it is. Wrong. It's to say, I don't know why he's so in love with this belt sander either, but he has to use know, it in right? every damn movie. That's <laughs> funny, dude. Yeah, that is... You're getting caught up on, like, on weird... You're getting, uh, you're going... What's that thing called when you just get hung up on stuff? Like, you're you're focusing on weird stuff. Like, who cares if she says fuck a lot? It's kind of funny. I'm not, no, I'm not, you're misunderstanding me. I don't care. She could say fuck 137 times. If that's all she says, then it gets old. Well, that's all Dan said in the Lords of Salem review, and everybody loved it. Yeah, but I like Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's, okay. Maybe you should have, like, bells go off every time Daniel Harris says it. (laughs) Fuck off. Deputy Winslow. Yeah, that and it's not. I mean, what I mean is, and what, and I don't. I didn't mean that literally. Like she says, all she ever says is "fuck you." I mean, she does have a couple of other words in there, but <laughs> really, there's nothing to it. Yeah, she she says yes and no and the and 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 she says with. There's a couple right. other words. <laughs> so there's other things besides "fuck" that she says. However, <laughs> all right, let's just give a let's just wrap it up with the review for people who have not seen this. Uh, uh. The, the, the 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 kills the story and the um the overall movie Dan what do you rate it from one to five Netflix I really like it and I'll elaborate on that more when we get into spoilers but I really like it and I recommend it if uh you know I understand Jamie where you're coming from but I think I, I from what I've heard from from a lot of people that have seen it that they do think it's obviously a step up from two, but it is um, it, it is a nice uh, end to a, to a trilogy that is Hatchet. It's yes. a, you know, hack and, hack and slash uh, movie, obviously. Nothing nothing mind-blowing here, but as far as a slasher's concerned, dude, and a third installment, and, and kind of, you know, like I just said, the end of a trilogy, man, this fucking movie rocks. I really liked it. What do you think? Two. Two again? Wow. I'm... I'm... I mean, and yeah, I mean, I'm being generous here because I really will never watch this movie again. Fuck off! All right, well, I give this a four out of five. This is a great, fun movie. I mean, I don't know what what standards are out there these days because I heard people say VHS two wasn't good, and I love that movie, man. That the only weak 
maybe half week with the first and second story, but man, what an ending. And that was really good. So to me, like, I don't know. I don't know what standards are out there, but the kills in this were really good. There was a couple bad ones. I'll get to that. Um, the writing was really good, man. I really liked the writing. I love the characters. I love the cameos. I, I love seeing Stretch. I thought that was really great to add her. I thought it was cool to see... Um, What's the oh, give me a break. You can't even stand Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Like, you give a damn about Carol and Williams. But right? it was nice to see a familiar face. It was very, <laughs> I liked it. It was cool, man. I thought of you, Jamie. Yeah, I thought of Jamie. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to see Sig Aww. Haig. Sig Haig was cool. And then you, you wouldn't believe it, but the Chinese kid is actually back. And he's a completely <laughs> different person this time. Alex, who is that kid, dude? I've seen him in there before. <laughs> Now, if they had brought him back, if they had brought him back as a triplet, I would have right. been all over that. I would have thought that was really? fucking hilarious. Uh, Bringing well. him back as a completely random character, no. to me, that's just dumb. Yeah, but it sets up that joke where he's like, yeah, he kind of looks like you. Like, that was fun, dude. Yeah, because that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> From here on in, we got spoilers. Anybody who has not seen Hatchet 3 yet, turn this off and make sure you come back to it when you're done. Yeah, bitches. That's the main part. All right. If you're smart, you'll never hear this part. Oh, Jamie, we're shutting the studio down. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what, Jamie? I think we're going to lock those motherfucking doors. You can try and come back. No, I'm just Yeah, exactly. Jamie, when you come back, there's going to be a no work sign on the window. All right. How about this, Jamie? You don't get any That's lashes. That's fine. I can, go, I can go hang out with... Oh... You could do that, because they're not doing too much. They have a lot of free time on their hands. Well, no, this is what's going to happen, Jamie. You're going to come back, and you're not going to get any lashings now. How about that? Okay, positives. All, uh, the three movies all take place on, like, the same three days, just like Friday 13th. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. And I like how they stop each one, like you just said, too. Like, they end it, and then they pick up, uh, you know, the same scene, too. Yeah. You got a great shower scene, once again, from Daniel Harris, but this time you see her whole body. I would not have done if I were her. Why? Dude, I love that tattoo she's got, though. That fucking body I mean, the tattoo is great. So I'm just, I just don't think there's anything dude. spectacular about her, but, you know, that's just personal. Fuck off. Um, positive things. Uh, I thought the movie was really intense. Really great stuff. Uh, when Daniel Harris came in, she's holding the dude's head and she's covered in blood. That was cool. The, the scene with uh, Stretch coming in, it was really intense when she says, you gotta, we got to get you out of here, and then all of a sudden, you know, unlock the door, and everyone's getting killed in the guy's headphones, and they're like, open the door now, how many people have to die, and that was like crazy intense, I loved that. You know what it was too, with the when she came in with the head dude, um, or what was it, like Victor Cowley's scalp or something, or part of his head, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I was like, what is this, Maniac? When she came into the police station, um, you know what I liked about it? Because, okay, you get the backwards uh, hick thing in part two with Tony Todd. And that's believable to a certain extent. But it's like, okay, there's no cops around. Like, these guys just got rallied and nobody seems to know about it. It seems like they really, um, they brought a realism to the third one. Especially when when she was telling her, you know, you a poor white trash. They're going to fry your ass. (laughs) Like, that was some real shit, though. Because it it seemed like, oh, wow, there's actually real consequences. Even for something as fucked up as Victor Crowley. Because, you know, even though we saw what we did with him fucking ripping people's heads off and shit. It's like if somebody walked into a police station like that, that would be, you know, some real 
shit, that's what would really happen. And you didn't really see that before. I mean, what, the Backwoods Hicks fucking, you know, they all got together? I mean, I guess that's real in a sense, but it, did, it doesn't seem like that would, that would happen. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, you must have liked the whole, like, I think it was an homage to Scream, the whole Gail and Dewey thing with, with Stretch and her husband, Sheriff. Oh yeah, you know what, dude? Yeah, it's his ex-wife. Yeah, that was ex-wife. good. Yeah, I like that. I like that sheriff dude too. I've I've never seen him act before. I thought he was um. I thought he was good. You say you've never seen him act? Yeah, who is that, Jamie? Do you know? I don't know. It's that Galligan. He's from Gremlins, among many other things. Oh, that's him. Oh, I didn't recognize him. No shit. Okay, I stand corrected. I'm sorry, dude. I haven't seen Gremlins in so long. Wow, I didn't even know that was him. Jamie, did you like the opening scene at least when you know, how about that that kill, the you know, that was the one minute clip that was released. That was obviously the beginning. She sawed him in half, all that shit. That was pretty cool. I love that. Yeah, well, not really, because I'm wondering how the hell he had so much of a head after she just blew it off about two seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, what was left of it, yeah. And right. then before she goes to saw him <laughs> in half, suddenly he has more head than he did. And so no, I didn't care for that. Well, here's the thing. It was regenerated in general just for the fact that he got up even from the first time when she blew it off. So then he was back to normal. But the big question is, it's back to normal. How does she just punch right through it and pull it apart while he's choking her? Right, right, right. right. Because if it's back to normal, let's just say in the first movie, you couldn't walk up to him and punch him through his face. So how did she? How was she able to do that at that time? That made no sense. And the uh, the one thing I didn't like about the beginning when when he landed on the chainsaw and the blood was squirting in her face and all over her body. Did you guys ever notice that any time in any movie ever, whenever and this goes for Evil Dead, everything, whenever blood is squirting in people's face or black oil or anything like that, it always looks like they wore fucking goggles during the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the way it comes out... It magically though, misses their eyes. All the time. I like a lot of gore and blood flying, and, you know, that's what I love about Evil Dead. One positive thing I will point out, and that is... Okay. The body count is huge. Yes. The body count in this movie is, I mean, crazy huge. I mean, he's now, ripping arms off and, and tearing people in half, and... um. I mean, just crazy shit, like, out there in the woods, and you hear just constant screaming, and, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. I do like that, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, hell yeah, dude. And Alex... I mean, I like like his rampage, you know. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Now, what do you guys think about the kills overall? Without getting specifically into them and comparing them them to the other ones, uh, where do you rank this as far as kills go? Because I thought it was fucking amazing, dude. I thought this was one of the coolest horror movies to watch for the kills. Well, two of them were bad. Okay, which one? Yeah, which ones? Obvious, horrible kill. (laughs) And it was sad because it sort of started the movie off. Was the, uh, what's that thing, the Fribulator kill? Oh, defibrillator, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. so stupid, man. Yeah. You, dude, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's stupid. And to, to add on to what you just said of how he fell on the chainsaw, um, what the fuck revved that chainsaw off right then? How did that happen? Did he fall on the button? Because every chainsaw I've ever used, the the button on the chainsaw isn't exactly accessible via, you know, a, a Crowley fall. <laughs> 
You know what I mean, dude? So I, I, didn't she start it already? I guess not, right? You know, it was started. It was started, but all of a sudden, it really revved up because <laughs> he fucking fell on it. And dude, like I was working with a chainsaw today, and I thought about this kill, and I'm like, that would not happen. But I'll revert back to what I said before too about the about these movies and shit. Dude, it's all to set up the kills. Nothing really makes sense or whatever. And, I, and I'm not saying that you guys are, are saying, oh, it, this killed it for me or, or that or, you know, this did it for me or that. But I just think that a lot of this shit, you got to kind of just, uh, you know, kind of just let your mind go and, and kind of, um, you know, accept a lot of shit because, let's face it, it's, it's Hatchet 3 and it's all about the kills. And if you have to do stupid shit like that in order to get, you know, a cheap gag. Or, no, I shouldn't say cheap, but, you know, to set up the kill. I think it's worth it in the end, you know? It, I, my mind can go there, and I'm not mad about it. Well, how about, okay, speaking of accepting things, okay, let's get back to the Chinese kid. He's he's the guy who runs the boat in the first one, and the second one, that's his brother. Now, right. he, this same exact person is back at Honeydew Swamp, or whatever it's called. <laughs> Honeydew. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> honey something. <laughs> Fucking Honeydew Donuts. You guys have Honeydew by, down by you guys? No, we have Dugout Donuts. Dugout? Really? <laughs> What? <laughs> Dugout donuts. But here's the thing. Now, now you guys talked about accepting this guy being back. You guys said you loved, you both said you loved that he was the brother because it was just way out and ridiculous. Now, he's back again and he's not the brother. It just so happens that three people who look identical to him were at Honeydew Swamp in those three days. <laughs> Here's like Dan's right. Here's where that worked. It worked when it when they were in the ambulance or wherever that boat, and the guy's like, "Hey man, I got a guy right here. His leg was chopped off by a shovel, and then blah blah blah. Kind of looks like you, man." And he goes, "What? You think all Ch all Chinese people look the same?" <laughs> exactly, dude. And I think that was yeah, the whole... but that's not that's not groundbreaking humor. That's an old joke. Oh, come you on. know. How is that groundbreaking humor? It's really? Not, no, no, no. It's not groundbreaking. No, fuck no. I just. I mean, to me, that's if that's the only payoff that you got out of the, got out of him playing that no, character, no, no, it's no. not worth it. I think it no. would have been much funnier if if he had been another brother. No, because think about it. They actually tried and said it was his brother in the second one, and in this one, it's just like he's a random fucking dude. I think it's hilarious, and it's continuing that joke. From, you know, the, the second one and the third one. And I like that actor, too. And, dude, this is what I'm trying to say, though. Like, shit like that. It's almost like an, an inside joke type of thing. And, I you know, I get some people don't like it. But, dude, that's that's Adam Green, man. He has all his friends. He had Sean Ashmore in it when he got his face ripped off in the second one. It's like this is what he does. He has people come back. He has Kane. Yeah, Harkon and there's nothing wrong again. with that. I just don't think it's funny the way he did it. Yeah, oh, I got you. I got no. I wasn't contesting that sh shit. I won't fucking test you, Jamie. You know that. I'm just saying. I think. I think from my point of view, that's what he was going for, and it's just kind of a, a an ongoing joke with them. And you know how we say sometimes, hey, that may be funny to you know the people that made it, but it's not funny to anybody else. I think in this instance, it actually is funny because I laughed, and that joke just kind of you're like, it's that guy again, and then that joke hits, and that joke is powerful because. Well, it's a funny joke, first of all, because it's that ongoing joke. And therefore, the audience is already in on it. So it's almost like, what? That's your fucking excuse? Like, that's how you bring them back? It's, it's very self-aware. Great so. writing. And I can't believe Jamie's not appreciating that type of humor. It's not <laughs> It's not like groundbreaking funny, but it's, no. it's, it's an inside, we're all horror fans, we're all having fun here joke. And I can't believe that... 
that you're not into it. I don't know. But I can. I would be if it were funny. I don't think it's funny. I think it they that it was a waste. There, I mean, it could have been so much funnier, but uh, it wasn't. All right. Well, how about another reoccurring character? Um, the guy who was from part one who got his arm ripped off on on the boat with Daniel Harris at the end. Wasn't that the guy who lifted his head up and then the the hatchet went right through it and he goes, "Oh fuck." Or you got to be kidding me. You got to be fucking kidding me. He fell that back. That was Joel David Moore. Joel David Moore. He was the, yeah, the head, the lead. The guy from, the, from, from Hatchet 1. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. yeah. You got to yeah. be fucking kidding me. Right. Oh, dude, I, I thought that was one of the best parts of the movie. It was. Oh. And Jamie, to and obviously they, they say in this, this one, to end all of our disputes of if he's a ghost or not, they call him a repeater. And I guess he, he physically comes back every night and could die every night and just keep coming back. It's like uh, – it's a curse. It's more of a curse of a ghost and I guess the ghost term. Who know. was it on Facebook that gave a good definition? Somebody did, I remember. Oh, John John Moran? Oh, John Moran, dude. Yeah, John Moran put it nicely. I wish I could bring that up right now. But uh, is that what it's called? I think you're right, Jamie. A, a, what is it? A, a what? Revenant. 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 Is it, yeah. yeah. But so, see, I I will accept Revenant. I still won't uh, accept Ghost. You're right. You're right. And uh, right. because I mean that's like the crow, you know. Yeah. Um, right. And one, I do have another positive. Okay. There's a line where they're talking about the testicles hanging from the trees, which honestly that got old really fast too. But no, Jamie, that was great. It never got old. How about when Derek Mir <laughs> was like. We're not leaving until we find out what the fuck is going on. And as he's saying it, he's pointing to the balls. That's classic. How could you love not it. love that? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I just I just think, like, you know, a couple of jokes is fine, but to spend, like, ten minutes on ball jokes is, I mean. <laughs> oh, we don't do that? I mean, and come on. <laughs> this movie is an hour and 20 minutes long. They're padding it enough as it is. Oh, my God. This was stretched. They really did not have enough movie to for a feature length film here. Oh, I disagree, dude. I disagree, man. All I, right, well, all right. Well, then why don't you go back and watch it again and see how many times the same lines are repeated over and over again? You could take out about fifteen minutes just from people saying the same shit over and over again. The positive is where the guy they're, they're talking about the testicles, and then the one guy behind him throws up, and he's like, "This dude knows what's up." <laughs> that, yeah, that yeah, was funny. I mean, I actually laughed out loud when he said that because that was funny, you know. So I'm going to give him that. See, to me, I think that's forced, and you thought that was the funny part. I thought that was a little like hacky writing with a like, hacky jokey writing, and you thought that was the. That's weird. I guess we you thought different... that was hacky writing. Yeah, I think everything after the title is hacky writing, but that's wow. just me. No, but that's that. Well, no, this is what I was trying to say, though. I, mean, I seriously, I mean, and I even told, I texted Lloyd, dude. I was just like, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't like it. Oh, what did he say? He said, uh, I got to set you straight. Oh. All right, well, let's get to, let's get to kills or what the F moments. What the F moment to me was when Danielle Harris, they're in the car and she says, we're going to go to town to get Thomas Crowley. And she goes, Thomas Crowley? How is he alive? Wouldn't be wouldn't he be three hundred years old by now? And I'm saying I'm sorry, you left out the fucking. She said he wouldn't he be like right three hundred fucking years old. Okay, now it, maybe I missed something. Okay, Thomas Crowley is Victor Crowley. He's Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley's dad, right? 
Yeah. Right. Okay. If her dad threw a firecracker and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, set the shot no, on fire. No, she wouldn't really be 300 years old. I think she was being sarcastic. <laughs> I thought the same, dude, I thought the same thing, Jamie. Uh, but no, I, I only caught that on the second watch, though. I was like, oh, she was being sarcastic. So I'm with you, Alex, but I, she was. But yeah. what kind of sarcasm is that? He's old. But what I don't like about that... But he would be like 80. Exactly. Well, yeah, but it's like, you know, he's really fucking old. You know, I mean, I say that about people. I'm like, what are you fucking eight hundred years old? No, no, no. But see, that's not that's not good writing because you wouldn't. Who cares how old he is? You would say, wouldn't he be fucking a bag of bones by now? That exactly is the shock and the fact that that's not good writing. <laughs> but what, the part about that scene that that irritates me is when Stretch is like, we got to go get him, and she's like, oh yeah, wouldn't he be like really old right now? And then anyway, they go through this big, huge, long exchange. And she never actually says what they're doing. And and then the last thing we're left with at the end of that scene is Danielle Harris and her eyebrow being all curious. And like, you know, what the hell? You know, and like, that was completely unnecessary. Just tell her what you're doing. Yeah. Well, the one thing I didn't like, and this went on a little too far, my girlfriend agreed, the whole resistance from the cop who let Danielle out of the jail and drove them to the thing, he was resistant the entire, every step of the way. He had to challenge him right up to when he said, I'm going to call the sheriff. No, no, don't call him. No, no, I'm going to call him. Sheriff, are you there? And by that time, the radio was dead. Like, even to that point, is there any time you're going along with so much of this, you put your ass on the line, you let Daniel Harris out of jail, you did all this shit, and you're never going to drop that shit? Like, is, are we going to have that challenge going on forever? Like, that was annoying. Um, and the, and the, the other weird thing was after Derek Mears had that, you know, exchange with Jason or Jason, Victor Crowley, where it was Jason versus Jason, you know, the remake guy and, and the original. King yeah. Potter. And that was an awesome uh, kill, by the way, when he pulled his skull and spine out through his body, which we thought was going to happen to uh, Tony Todd. And uh, but here's what was bad about that. At that point. He, this guy took 600 bullets, the guy shot the bazooka or whatever, blew his house up, and Victor Crowley just marched right back out, and that cop shot him with a hand pistol again. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, are you seriously still shooting him? Yeah, I said the same thing. I the it's same just thing. stupid at that, you know, that, I'm not, you know, it's more of a He's thing. stupid at that point. Is what well, means. I mean, no offense, guys, what the fuck would you do? Just run? Right, and like that works too. <laughs> well, it's better than and dude, what and two times this happened in the movie. Okay, it happened at, at the end with the uh, the the cop with the the final encounter with Daniel Harris and Stretch and the cop, and it happened with the guy who shot the bazooka. What is with the obvious setups? And this is bad directing or something, where you shoot. And you, you kill him in, in, in your mind or whatever. Then you turn around and look at everybody and start talking. And the way the camera's angled up and the right. big blank background behind you, you know the guys, Crowley's going to get up and come right from behind them. Well, dude, but all right, that reminds me, though, dude. They had a, um, it, it was in the very beginning of the movie. They had the uh, a ripoff, technically. I loved it, though, of Halloween, man. You guys know what I'm talking about? Danielle Harris, uh, there's a shot of Danielle Harris in the beginning when, when she fucking, after she uh, bashes Victor Crowley or whatever from the second one. This is before she takes the chainsaw to him. Right. And, and, he get, and, he, uh, and he fucking gets up like, uh, like, my, like Michael Myers. Oh, and yeah. It, and it, but it's a very quick shot and the camera moves and, it, and it's actually at like a, um, 
at an angle too, so it's very quick. But dude, you see him get up just like Michael Myers, not with the head turn or anything. Right. But uh, I love that, and some would argue that it's a ripoff or whatever. But no, at this point, it's not. Because it's Adam Green, right. and everybody knows he's fucking a fan. And yeah. I loved it. I loved it. You know what they should have done? An amazing homage would have been if you had Daniel Harris in, like, the front of the cop car, and she got up and looked over the dashboard like Jamie uh, Lloyd did in Halloween 4. Oh, that'd be cool. That would have been awesome. And the same angle and everything. It would be even more awesome if she were under the front tires. Fuck off. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Good Lord. <laughs> Poor, poor Danielle. Uh, any more what the f moments? Okay. The end where she's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to shoot him, and I was just like, just fucking shoot him. No, that was cool. He doesn't have to get up for you to shoot him. But you she knows. She knows how it goes, though. Right. And we all do. She's talking for all of us. So you shoot him to keep it from happening. I'm not going to sit there for 20 minutes and bullshit. On the fact that he he stuck that branch right through the middle of her torso, and she wasn't either paralyzed or dead. It didn't hit no vital organs. Bullshit. <laughs> it hit her fucking spine. It cannot go through the middle <laughs> of your body and not hit your spine. It missed it by two centimeters. It did. Oh, so bullshit. <laughs> okay, here's a what the f moment with Danielle Harris. What what is with? Why, why did she spit in the cop's face? That was just kind of awkward and out of place. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like that too much. I don't know. I may have been doing laundry at that point. But I don't know if I remember. Fuck off! Yeah, I know what you're saying, man. And there are certain <laughs> scenes where it doesn't click with me either. Yeah. Um, I, I find this movie to just to be a lot of fun. So it's weird, dude. Shit like that, though. Like when you're on the hatchet three level and seeing all the kills and seeing everything that's going on. It is a great movie. I am invested, and I'm see, and I definitely want to know how it how it resolves itself. At the same time, man. I, you know, shit like that, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of, it's kind of like it's all on the same level. And it's not dumb, but it, it, it's very self-aware and it knows what it is so it can get away with a lot more. That, and through, through my eyes, I see it that way. So when all that dumb shit that you said, dude, I actually agree with Jamie on a lot of those points too. And Alex, you too, about the what the fuck moments and, and all the negative shit about the movie. But really, it doesn't. It doesn't. I just don't care. It. Yeah. Because it, well, because dude, if if it was going for like a serious tone movie, and it's really not, and it's not like a all out comedy, even more so like the first one. This one is just perfect. It's a nice little mix of everything. And I, I can I, I want to say this too. I think Hatchet Three is made for you know Adam Green fans, obviously, even though he didn't direct it or whatever, but. People are so well aware of a lot of the shit going on just by not even knowing who Adam Green is, just by watching the other two movies. That I like the little callbacks and like 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 you, like you said earlier. I liked what you said earlier about it, Alex. It's just like it's it's like you're in this little world, dude, that they created, and you're 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 in on the joke with them. And I like that, yeah. dude. I really like that in movies. And if you want to come at me with a third one and as a wrap up, and I think it's it's the best one. This is the best hatchet. Oh movie. yeah, by far. I love it, dude. And I'm happy, and I fucking love Adam Green, and I'm so happy that this was the third one, and it's wrapped up now. And and that's not to say he's not going to do it. Yeah, me too. But, <laughs> exactly, but this is a strong franchise, dude. Thank I, 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 yes, fuck it. I, I, I would buy one and two on a uh, one and three on Blu-ray, but I'm just gonna get three. I'm good for a while again with one watching that again. So I'm definitely getting this on Blu-ray. That's for sure. 
Well, okay, let's talk about the big scene. In part one, we had the big cameo from Tony Todd. In this one, we got Sig Haig. What did, what did you guys think of that whole scene? He's always great. I don't care what he's doing. I no, mean, the but, movie that surrounds him may not be, but I always love him. But he was over the top and goofy in this, correct? Yeah. Yeah, but that's just who he is. Yeah, but no, no, but I'm just saying, yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. But if you look at it, at it, all his other roles and shit like that, and, and then you look at this one, it's not like he's fucking doing tons of new shit or whatever, but I felt like it was um, it was on par with all the Adam Green, like we just said, references and, yeah. and just that tone. It was better, though. His, he, he's such a great actor that he, that scene barely worked. And it worked because of him. Like, it was, you know, I'm not even going to say awkward, because I don't think the black jokes were too bad. And I actually thought they were pretty funny, and I liked how the black guy went along with it. That was cool. Because, you know... No, I thought that was hilarious. That's what I'm saying. I thought it was one of the... That whole thing was funny. Yeah. When you're black and you know what these freaking, you know, hillbilly hicks are like, you don't take offense to that. You know, they're just ignorant. Oh, so right? so it's cool. So I liked when he goes, dude, the funniest joke of that whole thing when he was like, how about, he was like, why don't you just uh, offer me some ch- fried chicken and watermelon next? Yep. And he goes, yep. I don't got any food. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. But see, that was what oh, I- he was like, don't you steal anything from me. I got eyes in the front of my head. <laughs> Yeah, dude. See, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I thought it was a missed opportunity on his part in Rob Zombie's flick when he was in Halloween, showing uh, Loomis the grave. Man, I was like, what the fuck? And it felt like uh, that wasn't as good. Yeah, it, it felt like Ken Foray's uh, Foray, whatever uh, his thing in, in Lords of Salem. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just so. Yeah. So th- this is what I was trying to say, though. Okay, so Adam Green is the king of getting all these horror people and putting them in his movie, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants with them. Okay, so everybody pretty much knew Sid Haig was was eventually probably going to get there. You know, he's used. Oh, dude, Adam Green is a young Rob Zombie, dude. That's all he is. He's exactly Rob Zombie, and he even said in the interview, dude, he will be moving on at a horror just like Rob Zombie. He he is like. Into the whole thing, getting all the old guys, getting them in these movies, doing this. He, I'm telling you, you're going to see a lot of parallels with their, uh, with their career. And I love his utilization of all these people, dude. You know, with Danielle Harris um, coming back as, as herself, even. Uh, Jamie, you might actually like this because uh, I heard she just plays a horrible, horrible, depraved version of herself. And, uh, you know, uh, I heard she's on Oxys and, and all this crazy shit. Or Holliston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, that's yeah, out. That comes out. Uh, well, it's it comes already out Tuesday. By the t- yeah, by the time this drops. Yeah, so check that one out, Jamie. Actually, I'll check that out and, and let you know if it's good or not. But what I'm saying is, this is what this guy does, and in particular, this one. Um, no offense to Sid Haig, but I didn't know what to expect from him. I didn't know because he he can act. This dude's a great actor. I didn't know where he was gonna go with it. So then, uh, you know, with all the black jokes and and everything that he did, man. What about this? This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't think there's any more what the f moments. Uh, there, there's only one, but it's really in the bit in the buildup. It's when okay, so you know, the guys they all shoot them. People are running. People are dying. You got the sheriff. You got the Chinese kid, and you got this random girl. They all get into that boat, and they're all hiding against the wall. Crowley's trying to get in. The doors are locked. And as Jamie said, he he picks up the uh, the gas belt sander to get in. Oh, God, yeah. But the, the thing, the reason why that happened, Jamie, is because wasn't that the thing that was used to kill the Chinese kid in part two? Yep. Yep. That's what that was all about. That was the whole homage to that. Like, he's going after the same... I love that, yeah. It's, 
He has used it in every single one. Oh, the first one, he hit the, the hot girl with it, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And my point, I don't give a shit if you kill somebody with it, but nobody, I don't give a fuck who you are, is going through the hull of a boat with a belt sander. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> not <stupid>. fucking happening. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he can make it really fucking shiny, you know, and or maybe even just sand away, sand away, <laughs> sand away. Three weeks later, he's going to get to you. Yeah, maybe. But, you know. yeah. Well, well, here's <laughs> like a double what the F moment. As he's sanding through a boat... The stretch is calling his name. He hears her. He acknowledges her. He stops, and he he has a genuine interest. In, Come get your daddy. Yeah, he he has a genuine interest. He's heading over there. Why didn't he really go there? What he made? You know, we see him with a genuine look on his face to head over there. Yet it was just to trick them. But I don't understand that because. It just doesn't make sense. Character-wise, he really was interested. He should have left to stay there. He 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 could have tricked those kids by staying there just by stopping at any time. So what you're saying is Victor Crowley saw what was coming, and so do you think that implies that he knew the uh, repercussions of getting those ashes back? No, and shit like that? I don't think no, he even he doesn't knows know, right? No, yeah. No. So you're right, man. That that yeah. So yeah, I guess we should get to kills before we get to the end because uh, otherwise we'll miss them all. Uh, Derek Mears kill, awesome. That's a ten right there, man. Loved it because of the setup. You thought they were gonna brawl and they didn't, and he just kills them. Yeah, and... yeah. That was a real, uh, like we said to Adam. That's a whole thing. Um, homage to part one when he ripped the token black guy's arms off. In this one, he he stomps on the guy, and then the guy says to go f himself. So instead of just killing him easy, he he's pressed on him, and he ripped both of his arms off. The guy who shot the the bazooka, and then he stomps his face and pushes it into the mud. Yes, great combo kill. Fuck, dude, ruthless. Yeah, um, ruthless. The guy in part one, like we said, that was a cool thing to have in there. I love that, dude. I'm sorry, I got to go back to that scene again, dude. How fucking great was that, though? That was perfect. And that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. It's like funny line, um, you know, obviously not too much, just absolutely perfect. I'm JP. <laughs> and then uh, here's here's one that annoyed Tiffany. We're watching it, and oh, Tiff watches. Yeah, she watched it with me last night, <laughs> dude. She she was into it though. Uh, she was she liked. She didn't see any of the other ones. I said just watch this. You don't have to see them. It's okay. Dude, you girl's hilarious. Dude. <laughs> Every time I talk to Alex, it's coming, Dan. Can you believe what Alex made me watch? (laughs) So this guy's sanding through the hole and, you know, there's a there's a gun. Well, first, let's get to the sheriff part. He hears Stretch calling for this guy. So he goes out there and then he gets his head sandblasted. And, dude, when he pulled his head back in, I'm not a fan of that fake headless blood squirting shit, man. I know. Yeah. I agree. Uh, that doesn't even bother. But what was with the jagged, the, the skin? That is not even part of the human body. Right. Like, it just doesn't look like that. And, I don't like, like what that. What the hell? Stuff. Plus, I mean, with the with the squirting and the squirting and the squirting yeah. and the squirting and the squirt. I mean, it just keeps going. And I'm like, you know, um, who was into that? I don't know. I don't know, man. And then you got um, 
uh, then so here's what Tiffany didn't like. So the the gun is sitting there. So the girl is trying to reach it and get it, and then you know he's gonna come and grab her. And no. I said she she goes, why is she doing that? And, I, and then I was like, well, what would you do? And then I said to myself, no, you know what I would do? That you're in a friggin' boat. You could walk anywhere in that boat, take something, slide it across the floor to hit the gun to the Chinese kid. Like, why would you reach into the vicinity of that hole? It is stupid. And, mm. you know, you know that he's going to get her, and he did. And that that was kind of a letdown that we knew that that's obviously what the tension is supposed to be. And it, it just went through as normal. That kind of, that kind of mm. you know, a little weird. But, again, it doesn't bother me. No, that's a good point, though. I didn't think about that. You're, you're right, though. Yeah. All right, so yeah. then we get to the end. So let's wrap it up. We have, like, ten minutes. Uh, okay, so the encounter. Great encounter, man. That seemed like classic to me. I felt like I was watching something special, man, right? With uh when she walks over with the urn and stretches there and the whole thing and like we said, the cop shoots him a couple times and whatever and he goes, He's dead. No, he's dead and you know he's gonna get up. Yeah. That was a little bit of a bummer, but what, yeah, real quick too, would you guys I thought that was a little unbelievable that the cop would take them too. That take them to wherever they wanted to go. That was kind of bullshit. He, he, oh, I feel a little pressured, and he just took him yeah. everywhere. In real life, that would never happen. Yeah, that would never fucking happen, dude. Yeah, but yo, to 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 wrap it up, like like we said about wrapping up this series and shit like that, as um a, as a particular scene that that kind of gets into the that's most relevant as far as the story is concerned and shit like that. I think the word is epic. The one that you're referring to, uh, bro. That whole scene is just. Great man, and I say epic because my vocabulary sucks. I use it all the time, but I'm just saying, man, that was a great fucking wrap up scene. To you know, you know what's great about this too? This this series is so self aware that he pretty much knows. Oh, uh, he said not definitely, but he pretty much knows this is going to be the last one. And I'm sorry, man. In a lot of the Friday the 13th, they didn't have that luxury, and and uh, you know, well, they did with the final chapter, obviously. But look at even that didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. But just knowing. When you're going to wrap it up and being conscious of that, dude. It makes it better, man. It makes it better, and I think it helps the story, and it helps that particular scene that you were just referring to. Yeah. Now, Jamie, what did you think when your girl Stretch got her head pulled off of her body and thrown at Danielle Harris? <laughs> oh, God. I laughed out loud when he hit her with the head, too. That was pretty fucking funny. That was funny. I was here to save you. Whoa, dude, that sounded like Don Knotts. <laughs> Didn't it, Jamie? That was fucking Don Nuts. Wow. I'm an impersonator. Um, so Daniel Harris gives him the ashes, but he just goes after her instead, picks her up, slams her into a tree with a branch sticking out. She's impaled, and then she says uh, something and smashes the uh, urn of Thomas Crowley's ashes on Victor Crowley's head. <laughs> His 300-year-old ashes. <laughs> <laughs> And he just starts deteriorating and basically falls to the ground. And Oh, oh, I'm glad you just said that. What did that remind you of when he started de- uh, deteriorating? Something, but I forget. Jason takes Manhattan. I thought oh, of you, yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Right, dude? I mean, more or less. It's not, yeah, you know. Sort of, yeah. He didn't turn into a little kid again, but I'm just saying, you know. Well, Jamie, what do you think of the wrap-up? Does, did it work for you, the end? At all? Yeah, I guess. Yeah? Um. Was it epic? No. Um, No, not in the least. Less than epic? It's realistic, at least. It worked-ish. You know, I was just... It worked-ish! 
No, it, it works. It, I mean, the end, and I, I assume you refer, you're referring to her getting rid of him. I mean, like that whole, well, yeah. that wrap-up. The whole entire end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, story-wise, it worked okay. I just, I was just, you know. Well, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm just busting your ball. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it. I really like when everyone has a great time with everything they do, and I'm sorry that you didn't with this. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I hate about 80% of the movies I watch for what I do. It's just, <laughs> it just, it happens. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, no big deal. Yeah, but this is for what every hatchet, Jamie, For every hatchet two and three, I also have a Lords of Salem, so... Yeah, but I felt like this was one of the good ones, man. I can't. I'm. I wish you saw it that way. It's really. It's really one of, a great movie. I, I want Jamie to watch this. Well, I, you know, it's it's Sorry. a good watch thing that you did. That's all that matters. Yeah. You know. So I didn't. I don't have to watch it again until I'm on a show that covers exactly. it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna watch it again tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you better retain this shit. This is why I love Jamie, though, dude, because she'll, she'll rock with it till the fucking bitter end, you know? She don't give a fuck. She'll watch anything, and, and I appreciate the hell out of you. You know, you're not just going to be yeah, I liked it. No, she's like, yo, fuck this movie. Fuck Danielle Harris, and I love that about you, Hey, girl. me and you had to watch Texas Chainsaw, too, so let's give us some credit, too. Right, I mean, you know, I mean, we all we all do it, and, you know, and, you know I don't know. I mean, I obviously I'm not as... <laughs> I don't. All right, I don't hate it as much as I come across that I'm hating it. I guess because that would require me putting a whole lot of thought yeah, about into it caring and, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and a whole lot of emotion, which I just have right. not spared a lot of emotion for this <laughs> franchise. Mm. You know, I really. I'm mainly. I'm just busting you guys' balls because you know you're really like, oh my god, how do you not like it? Yeah. Deep um, But you know, straight straightforward. Do I like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I feel weird. I feel like I made it easy on you. I feel like I pointed out more flaws than uh, than things I liked. Yet you still give it an eight point five. It, doesn't it seem easier <laughs> to talk about things that are not perfect than just say that was great, that was great, that was great, that was great? No, I mean I like the fact that you that you find imperfections in films, and yet you can still like them anyway. I mean that's yeah. you know. That's what I say all the time. Yeah. I know damn well that half the movies that I love aren't perfect, but that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, you know, I they, they touch me on some level. I think, um, yeah, I think much like you guys do. We all, understand, <laughs> we, all understand, <laughs> we all understand each other. Like as far as like, hey, I you know I can point out this this and that as far as flaws are concerned, but I still like this movie. But I we we also understand that we're talking to a lot of people right now. People are listening to us, so we just want to be like perfectly clear. Like we just love diving into little shit. And like Alex said, it yo man, this doesn't make sense. It's like we can hate on that all day. Does it affect the whole outcome of the movie and how we see? it or whatever because a lot of those dumb things that happened are very subjective like you said there are a lot of inside jokey type of things which like i said very subjective because you're either gonna ride with it or you're not and you know what i love movies like that man i love like debatable movies where it's like i don't think it was completely horrible um comedy wise but then again if you watch Holliston, a lot of people don't think Holliston's funny either. So, you know, if you like it, that's fucking awesome. If you don't, I can see that too. Yeah, you know I can what see I mean? it. So, we, look, yeah. we just pointed out a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's weird. I, I kind of, 
I kind of wish we, I didn't bring up a lot of things I brought up because I do feel like here's the thing. I might have said all that, but when I'm going to watch it again, I'm not going to go look. That's that thing I didn't like. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like. I'm probably just going to forget all this and just enjoy it again and just sit back, exactly. crack open a few beers, man, and just just party and maybe have some people over and just watch. This is like a really fun, intense, cool movie. I liked it a lot. It sucked me in once again, just like American Mary. I was in this world, man. I was along for the ride. I thought it was intense as hell. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Um, it was like an, an event I was watching. It was a big deal. Hatchet Three. This is it. Adam Green's back. The dude is is really doing a great job so far. He came back. Yes. Did it again. Freaking. He. You know. He had a shitty second movie. I thought at the time. Then he comes back with this strong movie. Awesome, man. Dude, so, can I just say something too? Alex's uh, whole character arc with the Hatchet series, dude. I couldn't be more proud of it. Yeah, man. You came around. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. So we already gave our ratings. Let's give our rankings and favorite moment and or kill or something like that. So, Jamie, what, how do you how, which hatchet in order do you like? I guess it's I know it's like one, three, two, right? Um, we'll just say one. Fuck off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just one. Oh, ruthless. Just when you think you know the answer, she changes the questions. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Uh, three, one, two. Three, one, two. Yeah, that that would be mine too. And uh, just real quick, my favorite moment is, was with um, Adam Green in the jail cell. And and just because it proves that he knows fucking you know it was contrived storytelling and um, it's very self aware and it encapsulates his sense of humor and everything. So. That was my favorite moment, actually, in in the whole movie, and it wasn't a kill or anything to do with Victor yeah. Crowley. You know, he's he's just like us, making fun of yourself and knowing when you're not. Yeah. You know, we know that everything we do isn't really the best and all that stuff, and we can make fun of ourselves because we're we're all just humans and we're all just doing whatever seemed right at the time, and yep. and that's what he did, and he realizes, wow, that was kind of bad writing what kind of person would even do this you know like huh? and, and then, that one. i love it same as us so uh jamie uh, any favorite uh thing about this entire franchise except don't say that it's over <laughs> um <laughs> there were some really cool kills okay that's cool hey that's and from a movie called hatchet or a series called hatchet what more could you really ask for yeah my my favorite things are i i like the humor of all of it, yep. almost every joke works for me. Almost every there was a, a lot of flibsy flub flub kills, but uh, a, a lot of good kills. Yeah, I I really liked the. Oh, if you look at this as a whole, which I think is why they put all three together. I think as from beginning to end, this is very cool, man. You yeah, know, it, it it might not work individually, but I'll tell you what, man. You put them all together, just like Dan said. Part three makes part one and two better, and that's just a fact. And that's how it is. Yeah, man. So that's that. Hell yeah. And I had fun on this uh, retrospective, too. And we got some uh, great fucking shows coming up, too. So, dude, this summer fucking rock. Yeah. And Adam Green, thank you so much, bro, for stopping by, man. You are the man. And I got to say, that was probably my favorite interview. I think that went as better than I think Dan and I ever expected. And he was awesome. I think we... We are just, like, on the same exact wavelength, man. That was just great to me, man. That was not only my favorite interview, but one of uh, 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 a life moment, man. Yeah. 
when, oh. when by, the, by the time this dude's on for an hour and ten minutes, I'm like, I cannot believe he is hanging with us. This guy rules. So, oh, I'm so happy that you say that, man, because yeah. he really is an inspiration to me, man, you know? And uh, you can look at Hatchet as silly or whatever, but overall, man, knowing that he's a fan and he's doing his fucking thing, just like as, dude, say if we decided to make a movie, it would be basically the same thing as far yeah. as, uh, you know, fan knowledge and, 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 and love for it, man. And he loves this shit. He doesn't give a fuck what anybody says. And you can say Hatchet, the whole series is dumb, hollow, and stupid. But you know what, dude? It's fucking his, man. And nobody can ever take that away from him. So I love that kind of shit, yeah. you know? I would love to fucking have a, uh, have a career in Hollywood and just apologize to nobody yep. and do exactly what I want. Because that way, nobody can ever take anything away from you. Yeah. And he's cool, man. I even told him I didn't like Hatchet 2 when it came out. And he, he he was cool with it, man. He understood. And he saw how I had my little arc with this, and it was cool. Yep. So, Jamie, thanks a lot. Uh, sorry that, I don't know, we're going to go under an investigation of what happened to you when Adam showed up here. Because I think there's like a lost, uh, there's, there's like a missing hour and 17 minutes that we have to discuss. Dude, we got to get one of those zap callers for her, too, like the dogs. Yeah. Like, so if she gets out of the dungeon, she gets zapped. Yeah, and you know what I want to do? I want to put a microchip in her head. I was just about to say, just get me microchips, because right now I'm kind of worried about how I'm going to get back. And there's this guy over here. He's kind of he's talking to himself, and he's a little weird, so please come get me. Let's interview him. <laughs> Dan, uh, we already did on uh, show number 31. Jamie, he's just wondering when his next show is coming out. Don't worry about him. <laughs> You're not going to stay hanging around that bunch. Yeah, he said it's been a month since his last show. So yeah. So actually, Jamie, I actually did put a microchip in your head. So we're going to get the GPS going, and we'll see you in about 20 minutes. Gotcha, bitch. Yay, thank you. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed the Hatchet retrospective once again. Thank you, Adam Green. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with a regular show. Like I said, we have VHS two coming up. We have a big interview coming up. We have cool stuff coming up. So. We're going to do a little special top five favorite horror movies from the summer or yes. summer movies in general, stuff like that. Um, and uh, Pat and Jake are probably going to stop back in the dungeon at some point this month. Pat and Jake, Jake and Pat, we're coming back like four flats on a Cadillac. And everybody check out Matt Wazell and Matt Wazell. Dave Zandino. They're getting together. They're going to have a show. It's going to be badass. Oh. Yeah. We're gonna, we're big supporters of those guys, and or it's just gonna be bad. It could be bad or badass. I think with those two, from the, from what I've heard on our show, I think it's gonna be all right. I love those fucking assholes. Yeah, it's gonna be good, man. So check that out, and we will see you again. This is Alex, Dan, and Jamie on that horrible connection, and we will see you on the next show. Fuck off. <laughs>